Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. Welcome back to another Leaving the Ring edition here on the Leaving the Ring Network. <laughs> I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, uh, Gabriel Montoya. I'm still waking up, man, uh, so I apologize. I, I, had, I, was like, I had a brain fart there for a moment. I was like, where am I at, and what am I doing <laughs> in my office at 10 a.m. in the morning? Um, you know, that's how hard Deontay up. Wilder hits. You're still that's, up. Yeah, bro, it's a ripple. You know, it's a ripple effect of how hard Deontay Wilder uh, clobbers you with a straight right hand. Um, well, we got a lot of stuff here to talk about on Leaving Ring. Obviously, we're going to talk about this past week in fights. We're going to talk about the fights that we didn't get to have a chance to talk about because we weren't on live uh, last week. Um, we had some things that we had to take care of, so uh, you know we couldn't get on. But we here we are. Uh, we I couldn't get on yesterday as well, so we decided let's do another 10, 10 a.m. Uh, show. Uh, so we'll catch up with everything of this past week, and then we'll go. You know, with the Williams and Hurd fight, we'll talk a little about that. And then we're going to probably touch a little bit on some of the Leaving the Ring uh, emails that we get, you know, questions or statements. Um, I don't know why we never did this before, Gabriel, why why we never actually answered anybody um, here on the air. I thought it'd be a little fun because some questions are very interesting. Um, and, people and, don't uh, yell at us the way that they used to on email. Uh, I don't I know. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have that now. <laughs> oh, I, well, yeah, to a certain point, certain point. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, hey, Dante Wilder uh, gets Brazil. Bad blood, first off, between the two. You know, not really was sure why they didn't like each other. There was a scuffle between them at, at a hotel after a Dante Wilder fight. Um, a fight broke out. It was on TMZ, you know, et cetera. I mean, there was some genuine hate between each other. Uh, you know, Dante Wilder stirred the pot by saying he wants a body bag on on his record, uh, that he was looking to kill Brazil, and it almost looked like he almost did it the way he landed that right hand. But let's let's break it down. Let's talk a little bit about both guys, you know, um, because right after the fight, I got to tell you this. I had tweeted out, Gabriel, that Dominic Brazil, in my opinion, was going to give Wilder was going to take Wilder to the distance and possibly to the scorecards. Um, the reason was is because Brazil is not that bad of a fighter that most folks were kind of like labeling him, you know. Uh, but when you knock out a guy, there's no argument there. Um, and the reason I, my thought was that was because of, her, um, you know, uh, of Washington. You know, uh, Washington is also an ex-football player, goes in there, had a good jab, uh, kind of kept Dante on the outside, Dante had to pick and choose his moments to get in close and, and, you know, swing for the fences. So I was thinking, well, Dominic Brazil has kind of been proven. You know, he's been through, been through the fire. He's been dropped. He's been hurt. He's got back up, recuperated, and he's got himself back in the fight. Uh, the only thing, my criticism of Brazil was that, if anything, he had to learn how to move his head. And obviously, on Saturday night, we, we definitely saw that. 
With Dante Wilder, I've always called him the Bambi of the heavyweights. His legs are never underneath him. He falls off balance. But, but here's the thing. What I saw Saturday night is a far more improved Dante Wilder. I mean, his timing was way better than when I've seen it. Um, it almost seems like he learned a lot from the Fury fight. Uh, now, he's still falling in his punches, but it's because of, man, you, this guy really commits to his, to his punches. And that he's throwing with every, every little bit of himself into the punch that it, the gravity just pulls him and he falls forward. But when he lands that big right with Dominic, um, it was in the inside, which I've never seen him do. I have never seen him throw an inside punch like that. And he kind of knew that Dominic wasn't going to move his head and Dominic was walking towards him. And I just thought it was a beautiful timing right hand that lands right on the crack of his jaw you heard the thump from it and brazil gets dropped and for a brief moment gabriel i was like don't please don't tell me this is going to be another fury where this guy's just gonna you know come back like the undertaker and get back up but he didn't this time for sure uh you know Wilder made sure the guy stayed down. Now, Brazil did get up, but, man, he was not coherent. He wasn't there. He actually was the Bambi of the heavyweights for that moment. Yeah, he quit crashing into the ropes. I mean, he, you know, I, I think that Wilder would have would have done some cleanup duty. Uh, you know, and, and the thing was, you know, it was a short fight, but, uh, you know, it was like we got to see all of, uh, you know, what makes Deontay Wilder arguably the most exciting fighter in boxing. Um, he's vulnerable. He got, you know, he rocked uh, early and even tested things out with a body shot, which, you know, he's usually a headhunter. Uh, right. But he went down, you know, through that left hook to the body real nice. And I think he just was seeing all the things he'd probably seen on tape. This guy doesn't move his head. He's not very elusive. That's not his game. He wants to get into a fight. You know, Teddy Atlas pointed it out on Twitter, which, you know, I'm enjoying Teddy on Twitter more than on TV. Just as I, I kind of like him in print. Because the stuff he says is is smart, but you know, without kind of repeating it a million times, like, dude, we get it, we heard you the first time. Uh, but what Teddy said was, you know, that Brazil, the problem with guys that come to the sport late, and you know, Brazil being one of those guys. But you could also say this a, a little bit about Deontay Wilder, although you know, he's right. improving. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but that the defense doesn't really develop. You can put offense on a guy. Uh, that's pretty easy to t- teach somebody how to how to throw a punch and, and get them to do it. You know, maybe it's it's not so easy, but uh, but the defense and learning all the different aspects. So people think of defense, they maybe they think of blocking, but it's also ducking. Uh, is you know, I just have to take shots and just fold it so it doesn't really hurt you. Canelo is something of a master at that. It seems these days he just knows how to roll with a shot even when it looks like it's flush. Um, but, you know, there's, they're picking stuff off with your hands, you know, and also just shelling up and, and blocking things. Brazil was, you know, kind of more of a blocker. He doesn't move his head. He doesn't slip punches. He doesn't duck under anything. Um, and, and I think that Wilder saw that. And, you know, when they got separated, I think part of the plan, I'd love to, to, to know this, is see if somebody asked him this, was to keep things in the center of the ring. Because Brazil is kind of comfortable on the ropes. He'll fight off the ropes. And as we saw, Wilder drove him into the ropes and caught a, a counter right hand for his troubles and backed off. But what I loved about it, I think people went crazy and went, ah, oh, he's got a glass chin and this, that, and the other thing. But what I loved about it was that he's become a pro. He got hit with one shot, didn't get hit with two, uh, tied up immediately, got out of there. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, maybe somebody, you know, stronger catching him with that would knock him out. But, you know, if I was 5'9", I'd be 5'9". You know, what happened, happened. And, you know, Wilder took the shot, moved backwards, and then they're separated, and he knocks him out moments later. Um, The guy has learned. He's gotten better. Uh, He's never going to be what you want him to be any more than Andy Ruiz is ever going to win Mr. Olympia. You know, right. like, yeah. and guys get yeah. focused like they did on Chris Ariola. Oh, is weight this and weight that, and like that's your idea of what a body should look like. But Rocky Marciano was like built like a rock, but he wasn't body beautiful. You know, he kind of turned himself into that. And he was also like slow, like heavy footed, but he had you know power in his hands and the ability to withstand punishment. Uh, Deontay Wilder is is a little bit cut from that cloth. Also, you know, Mar- Marciano, a guy that came to it late, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and so here we have Wilder. People just love to hate on the guy. And I'm sorry, you know, and they and they even he couldn't even have an exciting knockout win because uh, the monster, you know, knocked out Rodriguez in two rounds in a brilliant performance, stopping a guy who'd never been stopped before. Uh, you know, and moves on to the the finals of of the World Boxing Super that we knew that his was more exciting and more meaningful than Brazil, you know, uh, getting knocked out by Wilder. It's, it seems kind of um, compulsive to me and, and, and hmm. just strange. Uh, compulsive is not the right word. Uh, it's like, well, it's the immediate impulse. Pathological, I guess, is what I would say. Uh, people just don't, I mean, Deontay Wilder's story is the best story, and I've said this to you privately, and I've said it on the radio show uh, at several shows, from the next round uh, to Game Time with G-Twins, which I do every Wednesday. It's a radio show in Washington. Um, I've done that like almost as long as I've done Leave It in the Ring. Um, but, you know, th- that uh, Deontay Wilder has the best story in boxing. I mean, it's like a movie. He tried other sports. His yep. daughter's born with spina bifida. I've got to make money. I mean, it's Cinderella man, isn't it? You know? And so he decides I'll be a boxer. I'm going to be an amateur boxer, do it for free first. But you know, the way to make a name for yourself is the Olympics. So I better go to the Olympics. Got to the Olympics in less than 20 fights and medals. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the thing. Nobody else he wasn't even supposed to win. Yeah. Right. He wasn't even supposed to get a medal. This guy, I mean, he was overlooked. And uh, he got. And then the he becomes heavyweight champion of the world. Yep. He, I mean, picks up a title. He's he's no different than a Triple G in that you know, he picked up. He didn't get the lineal title, but he picked up a title in a division, and he's had to make stuff. You know, make the belt. You know, rather rather than the belt making him. You know, there's different routes to being a champion, and he's now I think tied for like sixth all time or something like that in terms of defenses, uh, with I believe Lennox Lewis. Um, so, you know, give him the guy's due. He's also fought Fury and Ortiz. And whether you felt he beat Fury or not, he sure knocked him down pretty hard. He uh, sure did. And put, his, and put his stamp on the fight. Enough that Fury went to a completely different network, signed with a different promoter, went a completely different route with his career rather than do a lucrative rematch. So, you know, the, you know, the, the argument that gets me when I see this on social media is. You know, the thing, though, is that, you know, that Dante Wilder fights in a weak heavyweight division. He wouldn't be able to do this to the guys in the 80s and 90s. And I'm like, ah, well, I'm not sure about that. He's 6'7". He's got a massive right hand. You know, 
Um, the, the, you know, the thing that I think that we need to focus on is that he's never got, he's never going to be a perfect fighter. He is who he is. Okay. Does he fall into his punches? Absolutely. But you know what he does great? There's two things that he does great. He believes in his power and he's not afraid to get in the firefight. He, he doesn't mind that. Right. That's, that's his, actually his forte. He doesn't mind trying to find out whether or not he could take a hit so he can land his hit. Um, More than anybody else in the game that's big in their division, he understands that he's big in his division, and he's got a powerful yeah. right hand. He so can't wait to use both, you know? Yeah, he's, he's not Michael to use Grant. His size. He, you but, know, he's no Michael Grant, you know, where Michael hmm. was not very – he wasn't confident in himself. He didn't even understand his own body. He didn't understand his own power. Uh, you know, he still was questioning whether or not he should be in front of the, the heavyweight champion of the world at the time, Lennox Lewis. Whereas Dante is like, hey, I, I am the heavyweight champion of the world. And that's what you kind of need. You need that, that Dude, little extra. Yeah, you need that little Emmanuel extra. Emmanuel Stewart was yelling at Lennox Lewis as deep into their career as the Mike Tyson fight to be more right. freaking aggressive. He always talked about he's a chess player. I don't want a chess player. I want a six-five monster, and that's yep. what Deontay Wilder is, you know. And all the other stuff is coming. I, I kind of, uh, you know, further with his story, the way he fights is exactly his story. He's a regular dude in extraordinary circumstances. If you look up what spina bifida is, and imagine being someone with no money having to care for that person. Right. Uh, you know, and, and it's your child. So you're going to do anything for them. I don't have children, but, you know, I, I, I know people with them. I'm an uncle. And I understand on some level what that must be like. You know? uh, and, and you become heavyweight champion of the world. That's uh, it's really something. So uh, what do you think about the body stuff? Do you think it's fight week histrionics? Everybody was talking about it. Yet again. But uh, what do you find you know, more offensive? A better question. Him talking about getting a body on his record or Pauli Malignaggi spitting in an opponent's face for no reason other than to sell a fight? I just find Pauli, uh, uh, you know, offensive in every corner, no, even if he doesn't spit on, a, <laughs> on an opponent. But that's just so disrespectful. You know, you know what, Dante? I said this on Twitter, and, and you know, what I said was that, you know, Mike, well, like Mike, the likes of Mike Tyson – he didn't need to act like he was a bad person. He was. He was a bad guy. He was a thug. Dante, to me, is, is a guy that really forces that. Because he's, he's trying to sell a product. I understand that. You know, when he was on leaving the ring way back, uh, what, four years ago maybe, uh, Gabriel? And we had him on, and really nobody was even interviewing the kid. Um, very humble. Dante? Yeah, Deontay, remember? Oh, no, we humble. had him, like, way longer than that. Like, well, early in his career, like, he was really still a prospect. It, right. it was like a Sunday show. It was a prospect watch show. Right. And, and he came on. He was really humble, very, very articulate in, in his answers. But you could hear the frustration from him because he was just like, well, nobody wants to fight me. Like, nobody even wants to use me for sparring, and I don't understand. And from that character, which is – I honestly believe that's him because in the post-interview, you saw – that he's a, you know he he really thinks out what he's gonna say he puts it together and then he you know relays the message to the world um, whereas when you see him trying to act like this really mean tough guy you know ah oh, mugly blah blah, blah. Um, I think that he understands that nobody wants 
another Lennox Lewis, Lennox Lewis, you know, uh, proper, you know, speaks proper, uh, you know, um, it comes across like the nice guy. I think a lot of African-American athletes get that, that, you know what, if you're Andre Ward type or even like a Timothy Bradley type or Lennox Lewis, like you're not going to get that attraction, which is attracting the haters to come and watch me lose. Floyd mastered that beautifully. Um, among a lot of other, like Broner. Broner has mastered that beautifully. You know, I want you to hate me so much that you're still going to view me. You're gonna, still going to come and watch me. You're going to turn on your, you know, your, your, whatever device you're watching. You're going to turn it on. And I think Wilder, Wilder got the right advice and, and says some stuff that is not, I mean, I wouldn't recommend you say you know, things like that because it is a sport. But I think he takes it to that level because he knows that he has to sell the act. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what it is, man. I mean, it, 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 people that that is it bad promotion, or is there you know is it like some people say like there's no such thing as a bad promotion. Bad you know, Donkey it's all, used to say that all the time. You know what I mean? Donkey's like, there's no such thing as a bad promotion. You know, everybody's they, talking about it. And right, I, I just you know I don't know. I find hypocritical. People get all upset because the same people getting upset. Are also like the same people complaining about sensitivity culture and and wanting things to be the way they used to be when you know uh, Mike Tyson was the quote unquote baddest man on the planet doing bad intent you know hitting throwing with bad intentions. Well, what were those bad intentions? Like he wanted to hurt a guy, but not too much. Uh, no, Mike Tyson said I wanted to you know drive his uh, bone up into his you know through his br- nose into his brain. Uh, you know, let's be real about what's going on in the ring. I don't think they're literally every guy is trying to kill the other guy, but you are trying to punch him in the heart, right? That's a target. What is that to kind of, you know, give him like a little bit of a heart stutter and, and, and put him down. Uh, you're when you freeze him with the, to the liver, is that not kind of setting him up to die just a little bit? Uh, you can't die from that, but I mean, you're punching a guy in the liver. What if it ruptures? You're shaking their brain and their skull, which is not a normal thing. <laughs> the whole point is it, it's the hurt yeah. business. Not the, it's not the tickle yeah. game. Uh, and, and you know, uh, so I just, especially as a speaking as a guy that spent, that I spent say, eight years as a beat writer, uh, the, the majority of that talking about various aspects of reform, a lot of it like health and safety for the fighters. I, I just watching everybody get mad at, at words and the dead silence, I guess because Paulie's doing bare knuckle boxing, but I find it way more despicable spitting in somebody's face. Them. I think we. I think people pick and choose what they what is acceptable. I mean, does everybody forget that Ricardo Mayorga was notorious? I mean, when uh, uh, Spink's mom had passed away, he told them, "Don't don't mourn for oh, her because I'm going to hit you so hard that your heart's going to stop and you're going to see her." I mean, I don't remember anybody being horrified about that. You know, that was if anything. Man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, but everybody was like, "Oh, that's your Mayorga. Oh, that's just the way he is." I mean. So I think we pick and choose. I, I mean, because I've been in the sport for so long, um, you know, and I try to analyze things a little different so that we can have more of a, of a you know, we can more or less kind of break it down here on the show. I look at things that our sport has always had to have, a fighter's always had to learn how to self-promote themselves along with the promoter. Promoter can't do everything. But Dante Wilder, I've said this. Does he really need the gimmick? Absolutely not. Because when you when you're creating KOs like that, uh, 
the truth is everybody's going to tune in to watch it. That, that's what lacked with Lennox Lewis. He wasn't creating sensational KOs unless he, unless he really did have a vendetta with you, like with Hasim Rockman. He really wanted to hurt the guy because he dropped him, and Hasim went off and you know called him a bunch of names, and, and it got underneath the skin of Lennox. But imagine if he did that every time out. It would have been a different liking to Lennox Lewis. Now we respect him. Fans love him. But at the time when he was reigning, fans didn't want to see him around. Uh, Dante Wilder's KO speaks volumes. Volumes. I mean, here's a joke. I, I told my brother uh, when he calls me up and says, what do you think? I said, I don't I, – dude, I think Brazil's so still walking around in the ring right now. That's how hard of a hit it was. Yeah. I mean, didn't really get going, but, you know, he just, uh, I mean, I don't know. Do you think Brazil froze in the fight or do you think his plan was to kind of ease his way into the fight, not get started too fast? Well, he's, that's, he what, a that's the sense starter. I got. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's a, slow I, starter. I, he's a slow starter, but I think what, what shook him up a bit is when, uh, Deontay decided – well, Deontay was Deontay. He went at him, and that automatically makes you kind of uh, bum rush everything in your head of how to react, and there's some truth about leaving one sport or start, starting late in boxing uh, because that when you – when you're not accustomed to all styles you're, you know, that approach you, it's very difficult to to calculate everything. And to adjust to it and, and have fast reflex to the response that, that you're getting from your opponent. And you could see that with Brazil, that for one, he had a different trainer. He had Virgil Hunter on his corner, which I didn't really understand. Um, I thought Manny Rubios was doing a good job with him. That switch was confusing. To me, when you go up to a big fight, always switching a trainer, is, to me, is a bad idea. Okay, Because you're just getting too much information and you're trying to learn too much new shit. When something actually worked to get you there. And you could see the amateur pedigree wasn't there because he didn't have any. Because um, immediately, if somebody bum rushes you, how you nummify that is you, 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 right away, you tie them up and you walk them back to the ropes. That's what you should do. Or you would establish a jab. Um, you know, if a guy's rushing you in, you establish this jab and you learn how to step either left to right. You know, so you could counter with a left hook. You know, a manager dude always used to say this. He said, you know, you finish your, your combinations with a left hook. And other trainers that I used to work with, uh, um, they would always say that. Always finish your punches, your combinations with a left hook. Brazil didn't do any of that. And the reason why is because the experience wasn't there. And Dante had the right guy in front of him to, to actually just use his natural ability. And that's, that's what really won this fight, you know, his natural ability and knowing that he knows who he is. A lot of fighters don't know who they are. And I know some folks are scratching their head like, what are you talking about? There's a lot of guys that still go in there, even when they're in the top of their career, not very sure of who they are and who they should be. I'll give you a prime example. Oscar De La Hoya used to switch trainers like, you know, like underwears. Uh, uh, Jesse Vargas right now. Guy has a trainer every single time because he still hasn't figured out who he wants to be. Dante Wilder knows who's, who he is, and that's why it's working. Until somebody gets in there and makes and, and capitalizes the mistakes that Dante is very obvious when he fights, he's going to keep winning. Yeah, I mean, I, 
where do you think he, where, where, you know, where's he going next? Where's the, uh, what's the score? It's not going to be Anthony Joshua. I think, I think it's going to be Ortiz again, to tell you the truth. And, uh, I you know, I, I don't, I'm not, look, I was excited to see it if it was an immediate rematch. Um, I'm sorry, I mean, I, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I like to see Ortiz get his shot again. Luis Ortiz, the, uh, the Lego, Lego face brick, brickhead. Um, but like I was telling you in private, we were talking about it, and I told you, you know what? The thing is, though, when you get a guy that already fought a certain way, he's going to be very tentative. He's not going to try to go go in the pocket because he, he's already tasted Wilder's power. And, and, and Ortiz understands he's the better boxer, and he should have fought like the better boxer, but he, he took risks, and that's what we all want to see. We want to see guys take risks. And a rematch, I, I just don't think he is going to take that risk because he's going to want to draw it to the later rounds and then pick his spots to, uh, to get on top of Wilder. Where Wilder, to me, the pressure is going to win in the eyes of judges and fans. I, I, think, I don't know. We're in disagreement about this. I, I, yeah, uh, we are. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I feel like he didn't take enough chances last time. He took chances in spots but like wasn't – like he could have been more active or Ortiz with with his jab. He just could have been more assertive, but this is the thing I was thinking about it. It's like, what do you know, all, all boxers become a little more conservative as they get older. It's just harder to have the same power output for whatever reason. Right. Um, Right. Cuban fighters, especially it's like they're because they're so well-schooled in all aspects. uh, The offense goes away, but the, the dirty tricks, the, the tying up, uh, the headbutts, you know, all that, like, I'm just thinking of like, who else or, um, that's, I mean, Eris Landy Lara, not as much. He's, you know, he just kind of moves away. Like there's a certain aspect that kind of moves to the front. And I'm, I'm curious to see, I guess maybe with Ortiz, it will be his power. So maybe we'll see the, the same thing. Maybe it wasn't, he was tentative, but maybe th- this is the power output that he has at, at his age. Um, I don't know, you know, but I, I it's a fight I want to see again, because I think he's a smart guy that can make adjustments. Um, and, you know, he just uh, – it was a short-notice fight for him the last time. I, I don't think he, he got was. the full – you know, uh, I think that storyline could be sold. And just how good the first fight was, I was yeah. Um, because sooner or later, too, with Wilder, it's like if you can't extend him and outbox him, you know, sooner or later somebody's going to figure out a way to not let him bail himself out with the power. Uh, and that's also the fun in and watching that a Wilder fight. And that yeah. That happens to all you know? punchers, you know. Once if they can't seem to land it, uh, they don't know where else to go. And you and know, you know, yeah. And the, the Fury fight, I didn't think he won, but at the same time, you know, does he deserve to keep his belts? I don't know. Off those two knockdowns, uh, you know, if Fury fought the way he did because of that power, moving, moving, moving. I'd like to watch that fight again just to see, you know, uh, just to rescore it. But. Uh, uh, it's clear to me that Fury doesn't really want it. He's talking about they should do a bare knuckle. Like he's using Wilder's name for promotion and to get quotes out there. Um, and maybe they'll they'll do it eventually, but they ain't doing that fight anytime soon. They're not doing and, that fight anytime. Nah, they ain't, I don't you, see that happening. You just know when you Shelley know. Finkel throws out, yeah, you know, these are the fights that are our priority. Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, Luis Ortiz. You know, Luis Ortiz. That's, that's probably going to be it. I mean, looking at the uh, across the it's board on, on <laughs> yeah, uh, well, it is on the. But, uh, you, know, make, you know, looking at the four sanctioning bodies on uh, on Fight News, which keeps their uh, their rankings very up to date. Uh, Dillian White is the number one. 
I believe they're trying to make some sort of, uh, you know, double secret, triple time uh, final eliminator uh, yet again. And he's kind of not having it. So there, there's an issue there. Ortiz is, is three at WB, in the WBC. Um, Trevor Bryan is the, actually, no, Joshua has WBA, IBF, and the WBO. So all Wilder is looking at is, is Dillian White, Tyson Fury, and Luis Ortiz. Uh, that's one, two, and three. Um, and I'll, I'll, you know, here, here's the thing with Anthony Joshua, you know, he's going to have his hands full with Andy Ruiz, but if he gets past Andy Ruiz, which I, you know, he's the favorite to win that one. Uh, guys, don't be surprised that if uh, uh, Miller is back in the mix, because he's on a six month suspension. And there's a story that Hearn and, and Joshua could sell still that, you know what, I'm, we're going to punish this guy for, for testing and, and for being dirty. That's why we're going to fight him next. You know, so I, I'm I, I look at AJ's schedule being booked until they can no longer, you know, withstand yeah, staying mean, away from Wilder. Because he's also got Kubrat Pulev sitting right? there, and he and he too has Dillian White, you know, WBO. Uh, he's out there too, who who's you know was going to make his pro debut, but that was canceled because of an injury. You know, yeah. so I mean. Uh, Usyk's yeah, number two in the WBA, which is you know okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and he's got his, his hands full with Andrew Ruiz. I mean, I I tend to think that fight's going to look more like David Tua versus Lennox Lewis, with uh, Joshua hmm. learning how to tame somebody at distance with the jab. But it's a long fight, and Andy's got a better engine than most people give him credit for, and and good uh, hand decent speed. upper body movement, hand speed. He knows how to pick punches off. He's got. Uh, you know, uh, multiple types of defense, mainly blocking, picking shots yep. off. And he goes to the body very uh, well. Very well. And, the, you know, just because you're shorter, it, it actually doesn't mean you're going to be easier. Sometimes it makes it, you know, it, it's harder. Look at Jacobs Canelo, where all those pictures, you, you know, to the, to the layman, you'd be like, oh, man, that guy's so much shorter. But in the fight, when Canelo made that adjustment to get low, uh, he was a real hard thing to hit. So I, I'm very excited about that fight. You know, the thing, too, when you're, you're a shorter guy is it's easier to see the punch sometimes coming at you, and it's harder yep. for the taller, taller guy to pull back before getting countered. Um, I don't know if Andy body. and them, You're right. I don't know if Andy and them are looking at that uh, because, uh, you know, when you have to punch down, that means you've got to bend those knees a little bit, slight more than you normally would. You know, and, and that could be an advantage that Andy Ruiz and his team could look at and say, hey, we can capitalize on that. But it all depends on what what plan they have, what strategy. I, I just kind of believe that sometimes when it's kind of rushed, uh, you know, your, your adrenaline's all the way up and that sometimes you're going to go in just for broke or, or just go with the flow of the tempo of fight, which is not going to be your fight. You're going to try to, you know uh, – add on to whatever the guy's doing in front of you. And I've always thought that that is a bad way. It only works once in a great while for a fighter uh, to do that. Manny Pacquiao is to come to mind when he fought on the undercard of Hasim Rockman and Lennox Lewis uh, was a, was a, uh, was a step in guy uh, because the other guy had been injured, but yeah. And it, and it worked out perfect for him because of his style. So it could work out great for, for Louise. It, I, to me, I just I think that they'll have to be a little smarter and, and watch what they're doing. And they should be going in with a game plan. But we'll find out, you know. Right, fans, you want to call that, in? Uh, you can. That Prospect Watch uh, episode was uh, May 29th, 2010. It doesn't – I'm not sure if, Ooh, wow. if Wilder is listed on there. I'll have to look at it. 
uh, he's not listed on there, but no one's listed on there. Uh, mm. But looking at Wilder's record, it, I'm pretty sure that's the show. I've just been kind of like scrolling through the episodes here. Uh, because in 2010, he fought uh, Cobb in uh, April to open up the year. Uh, then uh, again in April, he, uh, at the end of the month, he fought Alvaro Morales. Then Dustin Nichols, uh, July uh, 2010. Then the next, uh, what, September 25th, he fought Shannon uh, Cottle. And then uh, in October is when he got dropped against Harold Sconyers. Um And that fight, you know, That's Harold Sconyers is like, yeah. But no, I think we talked to him before that because we, the, the, it was in between the, the Morales and the Dustin Nichols fight is that episode. Uh, so, cause I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I never got to ask him about Harold Sconyers. Hmm. But I could, okay. I could be wrong. I'll have to, now I have to like go and. I know we have so many interviews. Ah, so many old so episodes. Many, yeah. So many interviews and old episodes that even sometimes I'll go back and I'll listen to something. Right. Just to like, oh, what's on this one? Cause sometimes we didn't write, who was on the show and I'll be like, damn, we interviewed that guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, wow, we, we, I forgot that we interviewed him, but yeah, there's so many, so many folks that went through, um, you know, who asked to be on the show, but our, our time conflicted was buddy McGirt. I, I didn't even tell you about that. Buddy McGirt wanted to come on to talk Today? to us, but, uh, it was supposed to be for yesterday, but he wasn't going to stop, uh, helping Kovala. Until 7.30, and I told him that was going to be a bit late because he wasn't sure if he could come on at 7.30. So we'll, we'll gotcha, probably try gotcha. to work something on. Yeah, because I was like, oh, man, I'd love to talk to you. Actually, ask you a few questions and even have it, if I could, talk, uh, um, talk to Kovala. But um, like I said, time our time was conflicting on what time he was going to be around, you know. And I, I didn't want to, yeah. you know, you know. Anyways, but um, yeah, I, I, really, yeah, I don't see uh, – yeah. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight here on uh, leaving the ring. You can. Uh, I saw that some folks dropped off. I apologize. You guys are probably on the on the road or you're t- on a break at work. Uh, we will. If you call back in, we'll patch you in right away. But I want to talk about the monster. I. I what did you? <laughs> let me ask you. What Rodriguez to me? I, I think we talked about this. Uh, obviously, it wasn't on air, but we talked about this. Said this should be the test. Rodriguez is a real fighter. You know, this guy, we're going to find, we're going to be able to really, really know if this division is the division that the monster is going to be able to keep landing monstrous punches. And God damn, second round. I mean, this guy doesn't, this guy doesn't waste any time. You know, if you, if you want to box him, he'll box you. If you want to get down and dirty, hey, he's okay. He brings a shovel. What did you think about the guy with the kids performance, man, in your way? You know, I watched the fight twice, and and uh, the first time, you know, I was watching it on my my phone backstage, uh, in the in the break between I had like two shows on Saturdays. It was, it was nice to, in the lead up actually to the, the the first show, I got to watch this guy, and I love I love a, a quick fight, uh, and it looked like he was getting hit more than than he wanted to, and looked a little unsettled. But then when I rewatched it, I was like, no, this is exactly the kind of fight that that the monster likes. Uh, Neoa knew he did. In, in that he's all, you know he's got boxing acumen, uh, great defense, super quick, agile, uh, smart ring IQ, killer instinct, and the power to to execute all that uh, and you just get he, you out of there in, in moments. And he just he tasted the power. He ate some some hard shots from Rodriguez, who was you know very game, 
but uh, super strong dude, never been stopped before. Is undefeated coming into the fight, 19 and 0. Uh, the monster was having none of it in the second round and just destroyed him. Unbelievable. Destroyed and him. then he did it to the head and body. He got it all going with a with a left hook on the inside, just flush. Seemed to uh, to bust uh, or at least bloody the nose of Emmanuel Rodriguez. And then when the guy gets up, he double fists him to the body. He gets that liver shot in, and it was over from there. It was just mop up duty. Ref, you know, did you think it was a merciful stoppage? I no, no, <laughs> I did not. I, I think they, the the ref w- was, you know, he's right there. He's got first hand view of what's going on. I think he saw what we all saw. This this was not going to end very. You, I mean, the face expression of Rodriguez said everything. Let me let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, am I way off to say that anyway? In a, in some some parts of his style or his the intense that he brings is a Edwin Edwin Velaro uh, type of vibe. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so, because it's not, it's know, not like young Tito. Remember, Tito used to give you like a few rounds and warm it. He was also a slow starter. Uh, right. When he got going, he could be, uh, you know, a force of nature. And I guess, you know, um, how, you know, he got his, when he got his title, uh, he's pretty, pretty fierce. But you're right. I think Valero is, is it. It's because he's got clearly two-fisted power. And he's looking and he swarms to, to, on to, you. Yeah, he swarms on you. He's right there. But he's also, you know, uh, balletic. He's got some great footwork. Yep. Uh, ability yep. to move, nice upper body. I, I think, you know, uh, Doug and them really saw, uh, you know, prime Valero. Right, right. Um, I don't think anybody in fights, maybe the Mosqueda fight, you can see some of it there. Um, that was a great fight. He was, he was kind of unrefined. Oh. He got like right. raw. Because of all those first round knockouts is, is how Doug yeah, he did. And, and Brian Hardy explained it. Uh, but yeah, so I imagine it's, it's a bit of what we're looking at here. I mean, it's, it's really just a thing of beauty, uh, a fighter in his prime that, that 26 years old, uh, Bantamweight weight seems like his weight. I wonder if he can go, you know, a little bit further, maybe 122 uh, at five, five. It's, you know, it might be pushing it, but, uh, but I think, he, you know, the, I mean, the power just seems like dynamite. My goodness. Oh man, the Nonito Dornier. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, I, you know, there's no such thing as luck in boxing, but he's gotten to, to a position to face in your way uh, by re- really not being tested to see where he's at. You know, is he is he ready for this type of competition? Is he ready to face a guy like anyway the caliber that anyway comes in? Um, you know, I. I the one thing about Nonito, I think that nobody can argue about, is that he is a game fighter. Uh, he's smart. Um, I, I think that went out the door for him when he moved up in weight because the weight, you know, he couldn't do much to the bigger guys. They were able to take his punch and, and then walk him down and land their big shots. Whereas where he, I think this is the, the, the way he should have always stayed, the bantamweight. Um, I, I think it's very interesting. I think we're going to find out more about Nonito because the fact is, like, I don't know enough anymore to see whether or not the wear and tear is really there. Because, um, you know, it, I, I don't know. I don't know. If, I'm on the fence on this one. I know everybody's excited about it, but I think it could go both ways. It could be a blowout again, 
Or it could be like, okay, Nonito finally has, is back in the division. He's supposed to be his body. This is where his body's supposed to be. This is where he's the strongest at. This is where he, he can outthink the guy. And we're going to see the flash once again. Um, I just got to tell you this, though, Gabriel. I, I think it's, it spells disaster for him if he decides to say, hey, you want to fight? Let's fight. And let's, let's trade some big bombs because I can hit hard, too. I don't think he should do that. I think he should fight the way he did against uh, – uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, my God. I just had him in my head right now. Um, Darchinian. Vic Darchinian. I think that's the way – that's the game plan that he should come in against anyway, the monster. That's the way he should look at this fight, you know. But, man, what that's going to be a special night. That's all I get. Uh, I, I can't Yeah. Wait. I mean, like – Boxing's all in the timing, you know, um, in the ring and out. And and Donaire, people could say like, you know, you call it what it is. It is luck, you know. Um, he got through unscathed. It's just the way it went. And uh, his body held up. It's 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 all a part of it. Now he's got to get through another training camp. They both do, without any injuries, and, and we'll see what happens. But he's he's the old warrior. But the you know, is he old or is he experienced? You know, mm-hmm. we're gonna yes, find yeah, out. That's I mean, the he's, question. Yeah. He's definitely both. But, you know, the final and the next one, you know. Um, I think you're right. I think he'd be smart to to dispense with his power when he needs to, but not be out there trying to match this young kid. Because you know, this fight is is that classic matchup: the aging ex-champion now a champion again, with one last run at glory, and uh, you know, versus the kid that every fighter fears, that guy that's younger, faster, stronger, and just relentless and never gets tired, you know? He's in Barrera's uh, position, if you remember. When Barrera got in with Manny Pacquiao, after that fight, Barrera said, I, I felt like I was fighting the younger me, you know? A guy that just doesn't stop swinging, comes forward. And I think that's where Nonito's at, at this moment. I think, if anything, Nonito's going to have to pull out the tricks of a jab. That's what, to me, is going to hold off anyway from from having those uh you know bursts of having them come forward and throw haymakers from all angles uh, rodriguez couldn't do it you know rodriguez you know here's the thing rodriguez went in there my frame is i'm undefeated i'm still young i'm fresh um i'm supposed to be the bigger guy because i've been in this division a little longer uh and and didn't do his homework there's a certain arrogance that fighters sometimes walk into the ring when they they are undefeated you know, they believe, well, I'm undestructible. What is this guy going to bring to the table? And look what happened. Uh, Rodriguez was able to drill him with some some right hands, you know, yep. and kind of back him up a little bit. And, you know, it it, it was good for him. But it, what's amazing is that he's able to shift into a gear and kind of stay within that firefight range and stay at that high pace. He was the puncher here. You know, Rodriguez was a strong hitter, but – 12 knockouts. He really looked, he hadn't had a, a stoppage win since 2017. Right. So I think he that also probably factors into the ref's decision. He's like, oh, this guy isn't going right. to come back by knockout. Well, you, you know, the thing too, he was overwhelmed because he didn't know how to establish his distance. You know? No. Um, he, 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 he landed he some shots and it was the worst thing for him because he thought, exactly. oh, I'm just going to, you know, come after yeah. this guy and get him out of there. Yeah, you're coming to me? Perfect, because I want to land on you. Rather than thinking it all the way through and saying, hey, I, I need to establish. I need to have my distance. I need, I need the things that work good for me. And, and I think that's where Nonito and his team need to go back and go, okay, what, what has made the monster successful? Well, standing there, 
you know, uh, not give them anything to think about. And sometimes the simplest punch, which is a jab, is the punch that makes the faster, aggressive guy think. Winky White versus Tito Trinidad dominated him with a jab. Didn't even seem like oh. they were really in the fight. He dominated him just with the jab. You it's know? the only boring Trinidad fight. Yeah. Vernon Forrest versus Sugar Shane Mosley dominated him with a jab. You know, and was able to land occasionally his right hand, which dropped uh, Mosley. I mean, some would say it was the headbutt. I mean, it had a lot to do with the headbutt, but, you know, the right hand was the, was the extra umph to it. And I think that's what Nomito needs to go back is looking at the history books of how to, how to tame the younger, strong, uh, you know, wild. Uh, I, mean, he's, I mean, here's the thing. He's a, he's a collective Chua wild versus Lewis, fighter. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important that uh, Donaire doesn't come in with really high hair like Tito and, and Tua did. Uh, I think but yeah. if you look at those two fights, I think that's a key. I think they got overheated. <laughs> I think uh, things went wrong when they had the, uh, the, the, the troll pencil hairdo. Um, 510, you want to go to a caller? Yeah, let's go to a caller really quick. All right, Jim. 510, you're on Leave It In The Ring, live even. Oh, hey, Gabe. Hey, Dave. Fernando here in San Francisco today. How you guys doing? What's up, Fernando? How you doing, brother? Good, man. Enjoying the, the rain, man. Getting so blame blame today, it on man. the rain, Fernando. Blame it on the rain. <laughs> <laughs> I already got half a day today, man, because of the rain, man. It's all good. Just go home watch the TV. Watch Judge Judy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> love Judge Judy, bro. Um, I love Judge Judy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I just you watched the man. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just rewatched Idiocracy this week. Uh, just speaking of, I, I had just had forgotten so much about it. Have you guys ever seen that movie? It sounds familiar. That, uh, which one's that one, Gabe? It's uh, by the guy that did Beavis and Butthead. You know, Mike Judge, uh, oh, and uh, uh, he, um, King of the Hill, his other one. Yeah, Office Space. Yeah, yeah. And it's about a. No dragons in it. No dragons. No superheroes. No dragons. No dragons. No, oh, all right. I haven't seen it then. <laughs> you got to see it. It's a, it's about like a average Joe, not very intelligent dude who's in the army who gets put into a program uh, uh-huh. where they freeze him, and something goes wrong. He's only supposed to be frozen for a year, but instead he wakes up in the year twenty five oh five, and uh, everybody's really dumb. Oh wow! It's just really weird. Okay, like it, 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 it yeah. becomes the smartest man in the world. It's actually, yeah. If you watch it, I don't know. Tell me afterwards what you think about it. Uh, okay, it, I, will. I had some weird thoughts, but anyways, I digress. Fernando, what's on your mind, boxing wise? Well, they could have hit that movie in 2019. They didn't have to go so far, but um, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, crazy, it's just man. like there's this one scene where they go they go to the hospital, and he's he's like trying to explain what he needs at the hospital. And the person's just staring at him kind of blankly, and she's looking at a menu as he's describing what's wrong with him. And it's like a like McDonald's menu. Like, it's just a picture of, like, you know, uh, somebody, like, their arm and, like, you know, arrows around the elbow. Or uh, they need to have a baby, and it's a picture of somebody, you know, and, like, a baby coming out from between their legs. Uh, it's ridiculous. And, yeah, I was like, that doesn't seem like that far off. <laughs> 2505 <laughs> seems too far. <laughs> It's a scary world we're living in, man. It really is, man. I mean, McDonald's, right? That's uh, Donald Trump's favorite favorite uh, dinner, you know. So, uh, that and KFC. Really, really, 
Uh, yeah, right. Oh, it's, yeah, uh, it is weird that our that our the, the leader of the country eats the worst possible food and thinks that's okay and like a sign of like patriotism and manliness. Like, and everybody's well, I, like grunting around him like gorillas. Yes, this is. I correct. think it explains. I think it explains him though. Eats the world's worst food and then he spits out the world's worst information. You know, has trouble focusing. The scary part, I mean, we're not even seeing, like, the effects of what, uh, what he's doing, you know, because, like, we're a little bit older, right? We've been kind of for, fully formed, right? But the little kids, right, they're going to elementary school right now. This is the only world they know, man. You know, like, this is what they're growing up into, uh, intolerance, uh, bullying, you know, by our president, you know? Like, I don't care if you're and, Republican or Democrat, man. It's not proper, man. It's not. It's not a good example. Well, the thing I'm learning about, you know, getting older, like being, having perspective and being able to look back and see what policies and what politicians that push those policies, like what the ramifications of those things were, like Bill Clinton's crime bill is, is a big one. You know, and you can look back and see the private prison industry grew exponentially un, uh, under that bill. It was pushed by Joe Biden and others, uh, you know, and that the, the prison population grew exponentially we know you know the, the united states jails more of its citizens per capita than any other nation there's like people uh in prison and, and the majority of them are black and brown people um it's kind of you know coincidental for a country founded in slavery but you can look back and like and so you're right like the things that he's doing he's pushed through like all these federal judges like over a hundred of them um and all the different laws and, and regulations that are being stripped and taken away or imposed you know, yeah, we won't know what those the effects of those are even after we get him out of office, or if he ever comes out of office. Um, you know, it, the ripple effect is is going to be scary. But yeah. well, I read some, I read somewhere, you know, like our world is changing in a way that we don't really comprehend, right? Because before the world was kind of like uh, revolved around labor, right? But now capital is what's really running the world, right? The people with the sure. money. Are making all the money, and, and then they're hiding the money, and they're putting it other yeah. places. You know, exactly. uh, not feeding the countries mm-hmm. that they're making the money in. Yeah, they, they've demonized uh, unions, right? The working man, you know, they've demonized them. You know, they've demonized uh, immigrant labor. They've demonized, like, you know, they've had they've had us at the bottom, right? Fighting amongst each other, right? With racism and finger pointing, right? Uh, demonizing of the uh, immigrants and of unions of working people, right? And but, but even, even getting, yeah, us to argue with each other about that and, and say, well, that's socialism if you're fighting for workers' rights, when it's really just fighting for workers' rights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I make a good living, right? I'm, a, I, I work, I'm in a union, and I make a good living, right? But I struggle, man. It's a struggle. Like, I can't afford to buy a house. I used to have a house. I lost it in 2008. I won't be able to hmm. find, uh, afford to buy a house here in the Bay Area ever again. I just won't. No. Man. I just no. won't be able to afford it. out there. Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous no out there, hard, dude. Yeah. Yep. No $800,000 $800, plus, and that's in the east side of San Jose, you know, or in Hayward or something like that, at a very poor area. You know, I mean, that's that's just crazy. You know, it, I, I don't get it. I don't, I, don't, I don't even understand how it got so high so fast and so quick. And know? the thing about San Francisco is that it's, it's a big city, but it feels like a small town. You know, it's all right. pressed together, right? Especially like, yeah. you know, on this side. Like the Bay Area is expansive, but like San Francisco is, you know, not that you could run across it. Uh, 
uh, fairly easily. And, and uh, you just, the, the amount of poverty that you see people living just tents on the street, you know, I'm usually out on uh, about pretty early and just seeing the city, seeing it at night and seeing it during the day, it used to be very different. Like the homeless would come out more or the street folks would come out more, but now it's just like kind of 24 seven. It's it's pretty crazy, man. It's really stark. Yeah. You see it all the time. And it's just one of the richest uh, areas in the world. And people are so dirt poor too, you know, struggling. Even the working people, man, like I'm a working person, right? I struggle, man. I struggle to pay my rent. I struggle to get ahead. There's always going to be some kind of bills coming up, you know? And, right. and I make good money. I feel I feel bad for people that, that are working like at, at a minimum wage job. I have no idea how they do I don't know how I they really survive, don't. man. Uh, yeah, I don't. You know, you know, I I still have a lot of family in, in the Bay. Um, and uh, I have a friend that he's renting his garage. And he's renting it for, I, if I remember correctly, it was like uh, twenty five or 3000 a month. And this is a garage. And I was like, oh, do you have a kitchen and a bathroom? He's like, nah, nothing. But I'm, that's what I'm renting it for. Because that's, that's the only way he would be able to pay his mortgage, which is like $3,800. Um, and I'm just like, that's crazy. That's crazy that somebody would pay that amount <laughs> to live in a garage. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really yeah. understand how people are doing it and, and you know, de- doing it there. And you, you know, you're hearing all these people like, oh, these, it's, you know, immigrants are, you know, they're, they're filling up houses. Uh, no, it's not. It's not just that. It's everybody. Everybody's struggling. Everybody. Well, and, and dudes yeah. just kind of like screwing an area. Like I was, my wife and I were having dinner one night um, out in the dog patch area, which is kind of rapidly gentrifying here, as, as mo- most of San Francisco is. Um, but the guy on a date next to us at the table uh, who wouldn't shut up was talking about how him and his buddy have basically like an Airbnb business where they buy up a bunch of places in the city and then they, they Airbnb them, which is like kills the local economy because they're empty most of the time. So that's a bunch of units that are getting bought up at a ridiculous price. That's jacking up the prices. But at the same time, they don't have people like contributing to the local economy, you know, not going to local stores or restaurants. Like maybe when they Airbnb, but essentially, you're just denying other people housing in order yeah, you're to killing enrich yourself. You're killing communities. Yeah. That's what, what yeah. basically what it comes down to. You're killing, you're killing communities. I mean, even over here in the valley, um, I I speak to you know because I'm out there, you know, just like you know, I'm a working man. I'm a blue collar guy. I've always been. I've always worked with my hands since I was young. Um, talking to guys that normally, if you're back in the '90s. Uh, you know, back in 90, 92 to 90, 98, let's say, making making eight hundred to a thousand a week, that was good money. You know, you you were able to afford a home, go on vacation, have a nice car. Yep. That was great money. I see guys that do, you know, doing they're in the car business that are making that amount. They're making you know these livable wages, but still struggling here. And this is in the valley, still struggling to live in the valley. They have to put 12, 14-hour shifts six days a week in order to have a little extra cushion because, because you know, they have children. They have, you know, a wife that wants things. And I sit there and I said, yeah, man, this is where, this is where everything's, everything's going. But anyways, let's, uh, let's get back to boxing here, man. What, what were your thoughts this past weekend? Well, to bring it back to boxing, in that same economic condition, how many channels and streams and apps do we have to pay for now? Yeah. Yeah, that's. I think I'm spending I'm I'm spending more on boxing than I ever have in my whole life, man. You know, like I got easily. Zone, 
ESPN Plus. Uh, occasionally, I'll go to a fight to have one here. You know, pay-per-views, right? PVC was – I'm not – yeah, they were supposed to be free, but they've had like what? Well, you're paying cable. Right. Yeah. And you're paying cable, you know? Yeah, there's nothing, nothing free, man. Nothing free. The PVC is not no. free. You know, they're, they're, they're the most expensive one out of, out of all of them, if anything. You know, but the, when you add up their pay-per-views, they're the most – if you're just a PVC uh, fan – you're paying the most out of anybody, man. You you probably spent like a good three hundred bucks at least on paper within the last six or seven months, you know. But the and, good uh, news is you yeah. get a free membership to the money team when you when you buy in. So. <laughs> get a hat? I'm wearing a hat. <laughs> no, you have to buy the hat. Actually, it's not. It's you not a buy the hat, right? But, yeah, sorry, uh, but uh, you can say like you're on the money hat. team for free. And it's a sixty dollar hat too, man. It's not a twenty dollar hat. It's a sixty dollar hat. Just know? to take my money but, uh, for, uh, team. But you know, don't even get a stripper with it. That sucks. <laughs> I would, uh, you know, I would be. Um, I'm not gonna, you know, try to to ape the the conversation that happened on uh, the latest episode of the Boxing Esquire with uh, Kurt Emhoff on the Leave It in the Ring Network. He talks to John Nash, who's an MMA writer, uh, but really also an advocate for fighters' rights and uh, really understands the. Uh, uh, the business end of boxing. He has his own podcast or uh, an MMA. Uh, that's his focus uh, called, I believe show money. Um, right. Check that out. Uh, if you want a real education on, on the latest rumors about the PBC being, uh, I guess uh, being shopped around uh, Endeavor who owns uh, UFC is looking to pick it up. And there's a lot of information that they drop on that subject. So and if you haven't heard your, it, it's a good hour. Last year. Podcast. Yeah. That's been since last year, that rumor has been thrown around. You know, uh, it could even be a little later. But it's interesting that that, that they're all, you know, going to consolidate that, you know, to try to make a one-stop shopping for boxing and, and how people like what you were talking about, like fighting against unions, even in this, like the whole time I've been in boxing, I'm like, why isn't there a league for these guys? Why isn't the sport create a league? And why don't the fighters have the protection of an association that would also, you know, uh, uh, protect the trainers as well? You know, and, and guarantee, let's guarantee some salaries and get some fucking health care for these guys and, and some retirement funds that, that aren't pennies, you know, that have been drained by a million different people along the line before the fighter gets his pay. Uh, I just want to see, you know, these guys do well, but most people in boxing, when you bring that up, are like, shut up. I don't want to hear about that. Just, you know, just watch the fights. Stop worrying about the business end, unless we're talking about the PBC and then, you know. Let's talk about how much money they're losing all the time. You know, it's, it's I don't know. All that kind of stuff is, is a sham to me. But, uh, Fernando, what do you think about uh, Deontay Wilder versus Dominic Brazil? You know, uh, I'm glad you guys brought Deontay Wilder, man. Like, I was not really a fan of him. I thought he was awkward, you know. And it was like, right. this guy won a bronze medal, you know. And usually, like, for the, like, the, the, the boxing Twitter, like, uh, people, right, if you're any kind of amateur medal, you're like, Filet Mignon, right? But this guy, and it's obvious, right? Like, I don't even know how he won a bronze medal, man. It's, it's amazing to me, right? But his last few fights, man, he has really, like, changed my tune towards him. Like, I right. have a, almost a, like a, a Triple G level crush on him, man. I had it on Triple G, man. Like, he is fun to watch. He's knocking everybody out, man. And he's, I, just, I love it. I love the raw aggression, man. I'm a, I, I love that fight, man. I know you can knock uh, Dominic Brazil. Right. No, I would say, you know, you know, the thing I think with fans is that because there's still a lot of hatred for the guy. You know, I know like my older brother, he's like, I, I don't like the guy. I don't, I don't care about him. And I'm like, what is there not to like? If you could just get past that, he's never going to have a beautiful boxing style. 
get past all that, okay, and just and just accept what he's already accepted, which is, hey, I'm not going to be an Ali. I'm not going to be a Lennox Lewis. I'm going to be me, Wilder, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to showcase my power, and that's what I want to do is I want to land big shots, knock guys out, and I want to fight the best. That, to me, is more of a, of a champion uh, uh, carrying himself by saying, hey, I want to fight the best. Give me the best. You know, and 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 then going out there and trying to display what he's good at, not trying to, you know, you know what I hate. I, I've always hated to see fighters that go in the ring and decide, hey, I'm gonna try some new shit. I'm gonna do something different, completely different of who I am, to see if this works. You know, and then it goes south. With Wilder right now, Sean I don't Porter. get the sense. Yeah, yeah, Sean Porter, perfect example. Porter. Yep, Sean Porter. You know. And and with Wilder, I don't get the sense that he's ever going to do that because, like I said, he's got the arrogance of my ha- my my power is going to take out anything that's in front of me. Whatever you bring, I'm going to be able to knock it out of the park. And I like that. And we uh, say he's fire. he's a little more fluid, a little more athletic. Uh, right. You know, um, his knockouts, his ability to see you at a weird angle and and catch you. Uh, is is kind of second to none. I'm thinking of the Arthur Spilka fight. Uh, his, his just that right hand knockout was just it was just at a crazy angle that no one but Deontay Wilder could see or do. And, he has and, that Nassim Hamed ability, you know. You know, this balance yeah. is off, but he whatever he catches you with, he still hurts you. <laughs> you know, I mean, the quirkiness of his style is what really works with him. With Nassim, I think what ruined the guy is that they were trying to fix him. They were always trying to trying to get no, him to fight away, and it just didn't what work. Ruined, what ruined that guy was that guy, dude. Yeah, he, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, that's the earliest intel I ever got. Like the earliest inside info was from my uncle, who was you know in Palm Desert, and Nassim Hamed trained there for the Barrera fight, and was just he said, oh yeah, he's always at Bananas with a Z, this club that had a pool table and it's like the only club in like, in, in like Palm desert in that area, you know, where, you know, uh, where you could have a bar and like restaurant, but also like, you know, it's like a, like a full on dance club, like a couple rooms. Um, and, uh, he was always there shooting pool and not really training and just kind of acting the fool. He didn't look good. is what my, you know, my, my uncle said. So, and then he goes out and loses the fight. And I think, you know, he fired his trainer. He just started thinking it was him. He fired an angle. Um, Nassim Ahmed, I, I don't think, you know, he just, I think fame got that dude. He got uh, the biggest contract ever for a little guy. And Oh, yeah. It enjoyed the hell out of it, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think everything that's around that surrounds you is what a fighter needs the most, you know? Um, for instance, like Canelo, why he's improving, why he's gotten better is because he's kept the same people around him, but he's also a guy that wants to learn more, who needs to learn more. I think Wilder keeps his family around him as, as his, that's his drive. His daughter's his drive. But I also believe that he think he understands like, Hey, I'm just not going to be Ali, but you know what? I'm going to land some big shots and I'm going to try to get you out of there. And I think you got to respect that. And you got to like that. I like that about him. I like the fact that he comes in there and he's wild. I know I, I already expect 
I already know what to expect from him when he steps into that ring. I may not care for his antics outside the ring, but inside the ring, I'm, that's what I'm, that to me is why I tune in. Nothing more, nothing less. I'm a simple, simple fan. <laughs> I don't know if you read this week's, uh, I, I thought it was the, the, one of the best articles I'd read uh, all week uh, in terms of boxing. Uh, Deontay Wilder's new nuances almost as startling as his trademark right hand by Bernard Fernandez. Uh, he, it's on the, the Sweet Science. Um, and he just, you know, he talks about everything you were talking about, Dave, you know, that uh, uh, his opening is, you know, how much improvement can a fighter, any fighter demonstrate in only 137 seconds. Um, but still, you know, um, I think what we saw is also when Deontay Wilder's focused on the task at hand and the moment isn't bigger than him. I think the Fury fight was a little bit bigger than he'd been at. You know, I think he'll be better for it the next time around. I, I think I'd pick him over Fury the next time around. And he dug deep for uh, that fight. I, I, yeah. You know, when, when I hear, you know, here, when I hear the criticism that Brazil is a football guy, oh, he's not a very good fighter. He blew him out. That's why he knocked him out quick. But then you don't want to give him the credit with Fury because you think about this. Fury came out possessed, came out, boxed beautiful, you know, had good head movement, upper 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 body movement, um, was able to keep his distance. But it was Wilder that dug deep. It was Wilder that said, I'm not giving up. I'm going to land something big on this guy. And then when he did, he dropped Fury, you know, and then he did it again. So what I see of the kid is he is improving to a point, but I think the drive is what gets him those, those KOs. The taste of him wanting to knock out his opponent is what gets him the success that he's at at this moment in the ring. Brazil could have made this, made this a longer fight. He could have done it if Wilder was coming into this fight going, hey, I learned my lesson with Fury. I got to box more. I got to establish my jab. But he was like, nah, you know what? My power does everything. I'm going to go out there, fuck it. I'm going to knock this dude out. And that's what a guy that has about those many bouts right now, a guy at the top of his where he's at, it's not even supposed to be on the top of the hill, supposed to do. Those are the statements we look for. So to knock what he does and how he performs and how he's progressed, it's ridiculous if you're not going to look back at all the fights that he's at. Ortiz is another guy. By far, they called him, we, we've called him the boogeyman. We've said he's got, he's out of everybody's got the best boxing skills. Again, Wilder dug deep. Yeah, no, you got to read Fernandez's article because he, he, he makes these arguments, and it's it's great. I mean, and he points out, you know, that Wilder now has nine uh, consecutive heavyweight title defenses. Uh, he matches the number for sixth place all-time shared by Ali, Joe Frazier, uh, Vitaly Klitschko, Lennox Lewis, and Mike Tyson. So those are all some of the hardest-punching men ever. Uh, or, you know, maybe not in Ali's case, but uh, I mean, he's just the greatest of all time. But uh, you know, I mean, this guy is, is uh, he's forging that, that belt into a, into a legacy, you know, that, that, that vague title, whatever. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's about longevity. Yes, absolutely it's hard to keep your title. And, and, you know, he fought, as you know, Fernandez, we've all pointed out, he fought Ortiz. He wanted to fight Povetkin in Russia, uh, you know, but Povetkin right. tested positive. Positive. So exactly. uh, it is what it is, but he was going to go to Russia to do it. I think he is the champ people have been wanting. They just keep rejecting Al Heyman, and so they, they can't see what's in front of them. 
And yeah, he says some wrong right. things, but uh, he says some right things too. He's a, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, uh, the, 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 you know, I, same I wrong the thing with to me with boxing fan is that everybody says, "Oh, we need a guy that, you know, we we, we need a, a guy that can stand up and talk right to the public, and, and it has to be the role model." But then, what's given when that's given to you, it's I don't want to hear what he has to say, man. I just want to see you fight. Shut the hell up, you know. But then, and then but I would also just, say say to those folks too, Dave, that that right. uh, um, look at your timeline. Your timeline, man, and see if you you're meeting the standard that you're holding Wilder to. Exactly. No, I I agree. I, you know I. We got I Fernando know, still here. You know. Oh wait, okay. Well, we're gonna write back on real quick. But let me just make this one point really quick here. Or not. Here's the thing: is is Wilder is a kid that I criticized very oh. heavily in the beginning, right? Yeah. Very heavily. You know, and and like most fighters, it, it takes a while for me to warm up to them. I have to see certain certain steps. There's gotta be there's gotta be levels met in order for me to go like, hey man, this okay, I like this guy. You know, I think this guy is it because of the standards that I have. When I look at the past fighters that I, I that I idolized and I loved, um, I have to look at okay, could they measure to that? You know, how are they progressing, or are they are they just owning who they are? Those are characters that I look for in a fighter. You know. I'm not a lot of like a lot of folks, not a lot, a, lot, a lot of fight fans that automatically, oh man, I like this guy. Why? Because he's the same color skin as me, or he's the same religion, or we're from the same town, or whatever. I'm, I've never been one of those guys. I've never been one of those guys where I'm in a room full of my uncles and cousins, and they don't even know the fighter's name, but they know he's Mexican. So we got to root for the guy. Got to root for him, bro. How can you gonna root for the white guy? This is ridiculous. So the black guy, he's Mexican. Got I've never been like that. I've always been like, well, let me see what this guy's got to offer. Let me see what this guy. Really, what he's all about. Because I said this years ago on YouTube. I said, the ring is a truth teller. You could say all the shit you want to say outside the ring. I'm the baddest man on the planet. I'm going to knock him out. I'm going to do this. But when it comes fight night, she's going to reveal who you really are. And it sometimes doesn't happen just with one fight. It takes multiple fights, in my opinion, to slowly see who that character is in that ring. And that's when you see me starting to like a fighter. And that's why I'm starting to like Wilder. Is he going to lose? Eventually. But that's boxing, guys. That's, what, that's why I love the sport so much. You're supposed to win, win, win. And then you're supposed to get that one fight where it's going to define you of who you are as a fighter. You might lose. You might win. That fight might take out so much of you that the next fight you lose. But it's boxing. Reason why we love it. Anyways, let's bring back Fernando on, man. See what else he's got for us here. Sorry, Fernando. Hey, hey, hey no, no, I, I, no I'm, this is why I call this is a conversation, man. I'm not, no worries <laughs> at all, man. Uh, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm driving home now, man. I'm going to today anyway, so I'm cool. Uh, Listen, well, uh, oh, you, you may want to turn back around because it's San Francisco and the sun just came out, so. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. I'm, gotta... I'm working on the subway. I'm working on the subway and it was a slow day today. I was like, I'll go home. I got jury duty tomorrow too, I think, man. So oh snap. Well, that's home. exciting. Oh, it sucks, dude. I never I never done jury duty before, but I'll see what happens. I hope it's not the OJ trial. Um what, what's your guys' opinion like on the pound for pound list going back to like Deontay Wilder, right? Like a mm-hmm. lot of people I'm not doubting them, right? Usyk, right? They have him as like almost as high as even number one pound for pound, right? Maybe deservedly, 
him and Deontay are about the same size, man. Would it would would that wouldn't that be like a fifty fifty fight? And why is Deontay not considered for like top ten pound for pound? His power alone should put him in that in that category, I think. You know? What do you guys think? In do I think Deontay should be a, a pound for pound? Well, what do you would say if there was a fight this summer? Who would you favor? Usyk or Wilder? You'd have to favor Wilder just because he's he's the natural the big man. He, yeah, the power, um, more experience at the weight. You know, you know uh, who, and uh, I mean, uh, probably a higher caliber of, of fighters in Ortiz and Fury that he's fought. He didn't win that Fury fight, but yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I would I would favor I would favor Wilder. I mean, Usyk, you got to well, look at. He he was an amateur. He was a heavyweight when he fought in the World Series. Not not the one that we see on the zone. Um, he was a cruiserweight, but in the World Series, boxing series, he was a heavyweight. You know, um, he's got good hand speed, good footwork. Uh, but when he fought uh, uh, Joyce, you know, jo- I mean, even Joyce's last fight, God, the guy's slow. Even when he was in his, in fighting in the uh, World Series, the guy was really slow, and he was able to kind of take a take advantage of him. I, I like I've said before. I think there's a lot of questions still to be answered by Usyk. For before we could start saying it's a fifty-fifty fight, because I I don't really know. You know, he he did a great a great deal at cruiserweight, but now he's going to be fighting guys that are six seven, six eight, big guys. You know, that hit hard, um, that are not slow like like Joyce. So I'm I'm really on the fence with Usyk at the moment. I I, I you know when he fought. Uh, what's his name? Um, Bello. Um, I, I tweeted out, and there was a lot of folks that were kind of upset because I said, "Okay, I just don't see it yet of how he's going to be a force at heavyweight because, um, you know, they fought at cruiserweight still. I mean, I, I still think that we need to test that water first before we could start judging where he's going to be placed and where he's going to be at. You know, I, I don't know. I don't, that's I don't why know how I don't, you guys think. That's why I don't get yeah. why people are so. What well, I'm, I'm trying to get is well, I don't understand why people are so. Uh, Dismissive of Deontay, right? At the same time, they're like putting up Usyk on a pedestal, you know. And they're about the same size. And if they fought in real life, it'd be like a fifty-fifty fight at least, I think, you know. So let me ask you this: Does Usyk have the power? Right, but let me ask you this: Do you think Usyk has the power to hold off a Dante Wilder? I think he has like similar power, like Tyson Fury, right? Where he has just enough power to keep him off of him, you know. I don't know if he has the power to stop somebody a heavyweight. I think he has no power and accuracy to to keep he's somebody accurate. off. Kind of like what Tyson Fury does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's very accurate, and I think mobily he's going to be a lot harder to catch. You know. Um, but like I said, De- Deontay's got that turn me around punch. No matter what, if he hits you on the shoulder, on the forearm, um, he's going to make you rethink what you're going to do. And I don't think Usyk has gotten. I mean, I mean. I, you know, I, I think that's just going to be my major question is when he fights a guy of the the magnitude of power that Wilder does, it's going to completely different because there's nobody in the heavyweight division, in my opinion, that has that good night sleep pill in the right hand. AJ, I don't even think AJ carries that. AJ has to work it in. It takes a minute for AJ to get that KO, you know? Deontay has that, mm. has that, like, the young Pacquiao style where he goes for broke, man, you know? And, and, and man, that's going to take me back to you guys talking about, like, uh, 
fighters don't have a lot of technique, right? Well, you don't necessarily have to have a lot of technique to be a, like a top 10 fighter, right? Like, Tito was pretty basic, man. The one, two, and the, and the hook, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, he, you know, his his power, his power was enough to, like, you know, take him to, like, middleweight. You know, he carried that all the way up to middleweight. He was knocking people out, you know? So, I, I, I think Deontay is fine where he's at. And, and to be honest, I think he looks a little bit better to me in that last fight. His, his technique was a little bit better. I thought a little, little bit tighter, you know? I don't know. I think he's still you know, a little bit we, better as, as he goes along. You know what's crazy is that what we've seen throughout boxing history is that you could have the best technique ever, okay? You can have great footwork, great hand speed. You could put punches together very well but if but if the other guy has that one big punch which like michael carbohal was a, 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 a beautiful fighter okay but he had flaws he didn't have no head movement um he got hit a lot and he but he had power he had stones in that hands and then when he got in when gonzalez who was a far better technician and was outboxing him but it just took carbohal to land that big shot and that's why I always say sometimes technique is not everything. A guy with a big punch can erase all of that, can stop all of that if he lands. And you gotta you gotta sit back and think. Like I said, Wilder digs deep to land those big punches. He was being outboxed by Washington. He was being outboxed by Ortiz. He was being outboxed by Fury. Fury. But look what he's able to muster up and create. <laughs> Can't take that away from the kid. He's my CTV, man. I'm, I'm really, I, I really look forward to watching him fight, man. And just like, like I said about Canelo, man, it doesn't matter if he wins or loses, man. Like, if he's going out there and putting on an entertaining show and knocking people out or getting knocked out himself, me as a fan, I'm happy, man. It's cool. It was a good fight, you know. I enjoyed it, man. You know, and, you know, the whole thing of being undefeated is kind of overrated, man. To be honest, especially for us fans, man, we want to see competitive fights, not undefeated records, you know. I wonder how Brazil's going to come back from that. It's like, you know, the whole beef happened because, you know, the, that I think it was the Gerald Washington fight. Uh, they were right. cheering for the wrong guy, him and Washington spar. And, uh, you know, then like Deontay and like a bunch of dudes ran up on, on Brazil his and his brother. family. Right. Yeah, and then his brother punched Brazil in the back of the head, allegedly, and, and ran off, according to Brazil. And so then... You face him and you get knocked out in like 137 seconds. You know, just back flat on your back. At least you know he got up. But uh, and later he said they, he thought they stopped it too soon. But you know, fell the ropes. Like you know, he was ready to fight the way Roy Jones was ready to keep fighting against Antonio Tarver in that rematch. You know, that is to say, not at all. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I can't hey, wait to see Deontay Wilder fighting again. Exactly. Fernando, we're going to let you go, brother, because we still got a couple thank of you. Uh, things we've got to talk about here. Thank you. thank you, brother. Thank right, you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just don't, hey, I don't know. Him. Usyk, i got to see Usyk at heavyweight in order to know anything. I know. You know? I know. I like Usyk. You know, I, I, I like his style. I think what he brings to the table is a lot, but that's a lot for the cruiserweight. I'm not sure if he could do that uh, entirely to an Ortiz, uh, to a Wilder. Um, even with the Car- Carlos, who he was supposed to face, you know, um, that to me was going to be the bar to find out where where he was at at the heavyweight division, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, for yeah. me. Um, let's get into uh, Julian Williams and uh, Jared Hurd. 
Let me hear your what thoughts about that, man. It was a great fight. What a performance. Yeah, I didn't yeah. expect that. We talked about it. Um, I watched really fights in between and was like, hey, you know, he's, I, I'm not really in seeing. In your chest. Yeah, I wasn't really seeing a different guy. And I expected yeah. her to come up the middle with the with the uppercut and that he'd still be open for it. Uh, but what we saw was like, you know, very mobile, knowing how to, you know, bump and, and hit off of that uh, as he's turning. He just kept turning heard and, and, and was unpredictable. Uh, it, it was so dialed in with his right hand. Like it was just something to see. He just knew when to throw that right hand. Uh, but also, and this is the thing, uh, I remember I talked about that, that there seems to be like a PBC Vada fight or, you know, uh, Vada testing like embargo that, that right. they, nobody, nobody's talking about if a, P, a PBC fight has testing before it. Um, and I, I can only think that the reason for that is if a fighter looks flat or doesn't look right, you know, or loses, uh, that the testing would become part of the narrative and they're trying to prevent that from being the case. But they did three months of Vada testing and that was the one concession that they demanded uh, and they gave her everything else as they should, because he was a champion. Uh, but they got three months of Vada testing and, Heard who's a big junior middleweight. I don't know. Did you think he looked flat? Do you think he looked any different? I thought he looked flat, but I also thought that he's he's kind of it's kind of limited? went to his head. Well, he's limited, but I think the limitation has got him to where he's at because the smaller guy, he was able to walk down and take their punches. Because when you look at back of the fighters he did face, they didn't they didn't really bury their face into his chest, you know, whereas where Hurt had was when he was throwing punches, it was around the head and neck of uh, Williams. Um, to me, Williams took a, a page uh, from Shane Mosley when he had faced uh, Antonio Margarito. Um, be right there in his chest, push him back. And I said this before the, um, before the fight, if you remember on, on, on the show, I said, um, the only way I could see Williams beating him is by him pushing him back. But I'm not sure if he was strong enough to push him back. And he was. He was able to Julian push him back. Julian was very strong. Very the strongest strong. I've ever seen him. Yeah. You know? Really strong. And and I think what hurt, though, what, what, what hurt him is that what has got him through fights is being able to use that size and let the little guy wear themselves down. And then he was able to start picking apart the other person. Where with Williams, he brought the fight to him and made him, try, you know, basically fight off the back of his foot, which he's not used to. I thought it was a brilliant plan, you know. Um, it was something that you have to gamble when you want to execute something like that. And you know what? They they came on the up on that part, you know, um, because that's the only way I saw that you were going to beat a big guy like Hurd who who – slowly windmills into the fight and they never gave him that opportunity. They never allowed him in that he, fight. He man. Started to come on at times and Julian had the answer every time he was right. able to take shots. He's, you know, I just, I loved that he won his titles this way, you know, is that he, he got a firefight. You know, it, it, the only way to erase the Charlo loss is to fight him again and beat him. But this went a long way towards showing everybody that he's not, you know, a, a paper champion or a weak champion or, or, you know, 
he got this through some technicality. Uh, no, he fought his ass off and took those belts away from Jarrett Hurd. Uh, and he did it through having a very you know prepared game plan. Stephen Edwards should be credited. Uh, he, you know, he he proved that. You know, Stephen gives a lot of uh, critiques of other of, of everyone else in the game. He's about you know as a, he puts in his Twitter bio, he's a boxing mind, um, and and you know he's a very thoughtful guy, student of the game, student of the history of the game. Both of them are, and and uh, this you know becomes their, now they're bona fide. They got the a world yeah, title. Yeah, now you're bona fide. He shepherded exactly his fighter yeah. All, yeah. all the way there. It's something to see. Because uh, honestly, I, I didn't, I didn't pick Williams to win the fight. I didn't think. No. You know, I thought, I thought Jared so. would, yeah. would would kind of grind him down if they tried to go toe to toe. But if I'd have known about the Vada testing, I, I gotta tell you, I would have picked Williams. You know, and and right, no joke. Uh, because that just tells me they 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 had a theory about something, and uh, you know, uh, it yeah. definitely makes you scratch your head. Yeah, I mean, like I said, flat footed. Uh, There's a reason too- that Al Heyman doesn't want people to talk about Vada testing before a fight. That's for sure. Mm. Yep. So uh, I, that's that's what I think. Yeah, the, the, like you said, the, the title, the way he won the t- title, you got to give him kudos. You got to give him his props. Because my biggest issue with him and his trainer was, you guys spoke too far ahead. You know, as if you had won titles and you have done executed certain game plans and without really doing it at the moment. Now now that you've done it, like you said, it's bona fide. Now you can do the talking that you did. Now that to me is is the leg to stand on, you know. So now him asking though, I don't know what your thoughts about this. Um actually I do know your thoughts about this. <laughs> we'll just let the world know our thoughts about this. Now Julian uh Williams is saying, hey if you want to fight me, you gotta take the testing. Um which Poses a question for him, um, which is great. I think it's a great idea. If you want to fight him, you got to do Vada testing. You got to do those. You got to, you know, clean sport. That's what we all ask for and look for. But you got to practice what you preach. I want to see if you have the titles and you're going to hold it. I don't know if I could use the, I don't know if I should use the word hostage. I don't think that's what he's doing. If you're asking fighters to fight clean, but if you're going to ask fighters to to step up and, and get into the in, into the into the Vada testing, not the clean program, but well, Vada testing. I'll put it this way: if you're going to mm-hmm. remodel a house, why just do the bathroom? Perfect you know analogy. Mean? Yes. You know, you're the yes. king of the castle. Why not do the whole thing different? You know, instead of demanding right. of your opponents. Canelo's doing 365, and I know, I know, he tested positive twice, and so he 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 actually set a precedent. He was like, I'm going to have my hair tested. That's what people were asking, but it was like a new standard, uh, you know. And so he he went to that standard, and then he's like, I want to up the ante even more. I'm going to pay for 365 testing. And let's be clear, there is the WBC, I think WBA, and the WBC apparently at their new convention in, in Hawaii just said they're going to have uh, all the fighters, I guess the the, the females. Uh, and the top five top, right. do do VADA testing. Um, so the standards are ch- changing. But, like, um, why not – you know, the, the, the clean boxing program means that you are eligible to be tested all year. You might get tested, but there's not enough money in the pool of fight, you know, to cover all the fighters. So, you, you know, you're not going to be tested probably more than once, I don't think. I think it would be pretty rare. 
Um, but if you do the 365 program, you're going to get tested more than once. There's just no question. Uh, you know, it may not be more than a, a certain amount, but still, you, you, you're not going to figure out that amount, I don't think, in a short period of time. So this idea that the other fighters have to do three months of testing while you're doing what? Not, no testing? Or you're eligible. Hmm. I know Julian's in the clean boxing program, uh, but that doesn't seem to be the same thing to me. It, it isn't the same thing to me. And I tweet enough about it and get communications or, or you know, uh, I go back and forth emailing things to VADA enough that, you know, I've said this publicly on Twitter enough times that if I was wrong, I'd be told that I was wrong. And I've never been told that. So, right. Um, so I've, and I've asked both Julian and Stephen on Twitter. Uh, I've covered them many times. I covered them before anybody was covering them really on video for, you know, in their training camps, I want, I want to say. Uh, up here at, at the, the snack gym, they had, neither of them have gotten back to me, but I asked them, are you going to go 365, 24 seven and explain the difference between the clean boxing program and actually doing that and name the three fighters that have done that. Uh, Edwin Rodriguez, uh, Nonino Donero, who was the first um, and now Canelo, who I think is the only at this point, I don't think Rodriguez and Donero are doing 365 testing anymore. I don't um, know. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't heard back yet. I'll let you know when I do. Uh, we got another call. Yeah, let's pass that in, and then we'll go to the uh, the questions on leaving a ring um, that we can answer. We have like three or four, so let's yeah, go. To I'm the not call. saying any, anything other than what you're saying, Dave, which is just like practice what you preach. Like they've talked about testing a long time, and before it was like, well, you know, we're not making the kind of money that we can pay for the testing. If somebody wants to sponsor it, that's great. Which is Okay, cool. Then, then you're as for it as I am, I guess. You know? I'm excited that they uh, want to be advocates about it. But you know, to to I am to be fully, fully, for you're not questioned, for you're not questioned. Uh, dive all the way in. Don't don't well, just put uh, your foot. Also, I'm just saying you're, you're causing a paradigm shift. You're you're now kind of drawing a line that that Floyd did. You know, all my opponents, if they're facing me, have to do the drug testing. Drug testing, um, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And that was like it was like 12 weeks. So they're asking for that. Um, but I think, you know, Julian has the WBA and the IBF belt. Tony Harrison has the WBC belt. And they're in the same universe. You know, Jaime Munguia is in the DAZN universe. So just thinking right. of, you know, Charlo and Harrison, they're going to have their rematch. To me, it's if you go, I'm going 365, and, you know, you're drawing this, anybody who faces me has to do three months of VADA testing. It, it shifts that. You know, it, within his own universe, it makes the other guy, other champion, look foolish and have to, right. to go to that standard. If they're going to be a unification match, then why not do the same thing? And to me also, they're in a particular universe, the PBC universe, where we're supposed to be really excited about, and I am actually, how Al Heyman has, advocates for his fighters to, to retire with their money and be smart with it. They're all, you know, learning how to, you know, buy property and and. Uh, like, you know, Deontay Wilder talked about it. You know, I want generational wealth, that concept of, of not just get rich now and then at the end of their career, they're they're broke. Like, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson, uh, the, you know, right. arguably the, the greatest of all time and, and so many other boxers. I love that. But don't talk to me about that and then be all secretive about drug testing and not require it for all your guys. When you initially you said that that's what you were going to do. Um I think, you know, Vada's there. The apparatus is kind of attaching itself to the the sanctioning bodies in the sport. I'd like to see Al, you know, and his, and his champions 
uh, help that along a little bit more. All champions, really, you know, top rank as well. Absolutely. Uh, hmm. All right, let's hit those callers. I've, I've banged this, uh, beat this dead horse long enough. Eight one two, you're live on Leave It in the Ring. Hey, what's going on, Dave and Gay? This is Joe, man. It's been a long time. Long Joe! time, Joe. What's up? Nice brother? to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. I, I've been uh, I've been jumping on and off the calls. I'm over here uh, driving right now, but I just wanted to touch base and check in with you guys. And you know, we've got some good fights coming up this summer. Um, I'm going to make my yearly, you know, I try to make it a goal of mine to attend a fight uh, right. once a year. Um, so I'm going to be going to um, the Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz fight in New York. Oh, Very excited. Nice. time at the goal. Nice. You know, I originally was hyped about it because of Jarrell Fuller. And right. then, you know, when the fight got canceled, I was like, dang, I should be. I tried to resell my tickets, and I was like, you know what? No, I'm just going to go and support the game, support, support the fight game. And actually, I like the card's not that bad. I mean, it's, a, it's at the Garden, man. So I really. It's, it's a good heavyweight fight, you know, bro. Versus, yeah. I think, I, that, I know, think it's going like, to be pretty good, you know? Yeah. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you, Dave. Like, I know a little bit about Ruiz. I like him, I like his confidence. I mean,. And I like his, his hand speed, but do you have you seen a lot a lot of his fights? And what are you, what what are the chances that you giving him in this fight? I I think listen, I think you can't question. I, I mean, I, me and Gabe have covered him for for a long time. He was on, he was actually on leaving the ring uh, when he was uh, midway in his, through his career, because um, we talked okay. to him talked to him about his weight and everything because of his criticism of how his his body. And, you know, the kid, let me tell you this, the kid is smart. He's, he's got a good head on his shoulders. I think this entirely comes down to a game plan, like I mentioned earlier on the show. Um, because one thing is for sure that AJ was training for a certain style, which, which is a big thumping heavyweight that's very slow, that's going to come forward and try to push you back. We're Andy, Andy Ruiz is kind of both. He's an in-and-out fighter. He, he can dart in, put pressure on you, and then he can box. The one thing that, mm-hmm. that it's going to be telling to me is how well AJ is going to – can he can he nummify Andy Ruiz's punching combinations and hand speed? Because that's, that's the one thing that I see that Andy has an over on, on Anthony because Anthony – uh, tends to throw one punch at a time. He likes to flick the jab and then throw a right hand or a hook um, because he's so big. He's got to conserve energy. Now, if Andy can go out there and do uh, uh, what had happened to Latimer Klitschko with Lamont Brewster, which is pressure him to get out of his zone, right? Pressure him to get out of that mm-hmm. comfort zone where he's able to, you know, uh, taking short breaths. Where he's breathing, you know, taking big breaths because now he's getting a guy that's darting in and, and just putting more pressure that he was expected. I think that there's a strong possibility he can upset him, but it all entirely is up to how Andy Ruiz and his team have studied AJ and what they're going to execute. Because, in my opinion, it's a short amount of time to have two game plans. And with that short amount of time, that means you should focus on one thing and make sure that one thing is the thing that you're mostly confident on executing. That That's my thought about it. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that's how I was, you know, I, I really I, I really thought that uh, Ruiz beat Parker 
I thought he got a right in on that. I did deal. too. Um, yep. And like you just said, Dave, like I know Joshua, it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's his first fight here in New York, and he's constantly getting ass. I mean, every time he's getting interviewed, it's not even about his opponent. It's about Wilder, 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 and, and Shelly Finger, right. and what's the deal? So we've seen this before where fighters overlook somebody. And I'm, I'm just hoping for me as a fan that I get to be a part of history here where I go and and he, I mean, see, we see enough set. But overall, I do think it's still going to be a great overall experience. I mean, I'm excited to meet UK fans for the first time, and I'm hopefully some uh, uh, Mexican fans will show up. But I'm just really excited about going. And uh, the card looks decent. I know they just announced um, the Kellen, Caleb Smith or Kellen Smith's going to be fighting Smith, uh, mm-hmm. in Dam. Yeah, today. So, I mean, the card's going to be decent. But I, I'm really pulling for Andy, man. He seems like a nice guy. I never met him. Uh, but uh, he just seems like a good guy, and uh, he's got his he's got his opportunity, man. A lot of fighters never get an opportunity like this, so I'm really just pulling for him, and it'd be big for him, you know. So but you, that's you know, what I really wanted, guys. I just wanted to touch you. Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll just put, put this out there before we let you go, brother. Um, you know the thing though with okay. AJ, which I, I've always been a fan of AJ, even when he's an amateur. Uh, when he turned pro, I was really excited as a kid that I watched. Uh, but like most big fighters. They, they, the fight that he had to dig deep was against Vladimir Klitschko, which that was mm-hmm. a, an older version of Klitschko. Um, if Andy Ruiz was stepping in with uh, Vitaly Klitschko, I would say there's no hope because the way Chris Oriella has fought and, and, and his style of fighting is to pressure and put pressure on, Vitaly has kind of showed that he's game to all of that. I'm not sure if AJ's game to all of that yet. I think that's still um, <laughs> I, I think that's still a question on my mind. Um, how well did he well, how well does he do uh, do, uh, do against a guy that's going to give him a d- different looks, you know, that is mobile, that can throw volumes of, of combinations and land and has a decent punch. He doesn't have the Hasim Rockman punch, doesn't have those mm-hmm. type of turnaround punches, but I think he has punches to keep you humble because one thing with the Parker fight is Parker went in as the puncher. And you notice that he threw less and less punches. He became a boxer that night against Andy Ruiz. That's why I think it's a very interesting fight. Big time interesting, man. Hey, have a good yeah. time, though, brother. You know, have a great time out yeah. there. Let us know how it goes, man. Hey, and, Dave, real quick, like what you said on uh, with Ariola comparing to Ruiz, like Ariola, I liked his style. I felt like he was a little more, more like reckless, like going for the one that one knockout where you said it earlier. That Ruiz is, you know, he's skilled, and I think he's he's smart, and I think that ring intelligence may be able to help him in rounds. And I don't know, man. I mean, I'm just it, it, like you said, I'm getting more excited about it. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, we, I, I know it's going to be an entertaining fight regardless. I don't think it's going to be a boring fight at all. I mean, you know, I just I just really pull for Ruiz, and uh, you know, who knows, man? This could be a big boost to his career, and you know, maybe he just gets big names after this too going forward. So. But, well, guys, good to hear from you, uh, Dave and Dave. You guys take care. I'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, if Andy's able to pull this off, he'll be the first Mexican-American heavyweight. Yeah. You know, uh, big, you know I get the sense that he's, he, mm-hmm. he represents Mexican-Americans well, and uh, he works hard. Like, don't let the Absolutely. body type fool you. It's, it's uh, you know uh, – Ruiz is 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 going to be there, and his engine's going to be there. He's he's going to be there to win, you know. Uh, 
I, I, I can't wait to see it. I, I, I'm I excited can't either. for the guy. I remember him when I, he wasn't a pro, you know, just some kid in, in silver plastics at the wild card boxing club, uh, baby faced, you know, big body. I think he was talking about being a light heavyweight then, but he wasn't done growing. And uh, now he's uh, fighting for the heavyweight title for a second time. Arguably should be, a, a, you know, the first Mexican-American heavyweight. He got robbed uh, against Parker. Right. Parker, uh, right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, you know, he, he gets a chance uh, to do it again. So, uh, yeah, Joshua, too, man, he's probably the most arrogant fighter in the sport, but he's also, like, the biggest guy in the sport, uh, literally. And he's got, you know, most of the titles. Uh, actually, no, I think Tyson Fury is a little bit taller, isn't he? Um, yeah, but six uh, nine. Mm-hmm. yeah, six nine. Jeez, no wonder. You no wonder. You know, maybe he's the most arrogant guy in boxing. I don't know, but I, I love that about Joshua, his swagger, uh, just how sure of himself he is. You know, uh, and then it's not just about his size or like when I land this punch or that punch. He thinks he's going to outbox you, beat you up, and then knock you out. Uh, he thinks he's one of the best boxers in the game, and I I love that about him. Um, I right. always felt that that you know, that was the guy to buy stock in. Uh, between him and, and, and Wilder, but, uh, you know, Wilder, every time I see him, he, he does something uh, exciting, uh, something I hadn't really quite seen before. Uh, and and uh, I can't wait for them to, to fight. It isn't going to be this year, though. No. no. Shall I go down let's, the uh, – what's that? Let's, let's go down on the emails. Let's answer a few of these um, – because I think these are some interesting questions here. I got like two or three of them. You know, um, and then we'll go down to the the schedule. What do you think? Yeah, I was just thinking. Yeah, other fights in the summer. Uh, Gennad DIY Golovkin versus Steve Rolls is going to be uh, an interesting catchweight fight at 164. Uh, hmm. I don't know. It's just uh, just weird seeing the new spelling. But anyways, uh, yeah, let's hit those emails. Okay, so this is from Joaquin from Daily City. He's a longtime listener and YouTube viewer, guys. On the previous episode, Mr. Montoya, I put the Mr. in, but it's Montoya, <laughs> said that Canelo was the best fighter and considered him number one pound for pound. But where would you guys rank him as a great fighter when his career is, is, is over in 20 years from now, when his career is over from 20 years from now? My thoughts is he's finally – my thoughts that he really doesn't uh, close the show, so that doesn't make him great in the coming future. He's more focused on winning, which is kind of boring, but greats like J.C. Chavez, Hernandez – I mean, I'm sorry, Hagler, Manzone, and even the likes of De La Hoya close the shows, and those are the things that most fans look for. What do you think, Gabriel? What's, what would be your – would you think Canelo after 20 years from now? You think he's going to be considered one of the great fighters? I have no idea because his, his career is not over yet. So I mean, you know, uh, he's just entering age twenty-eight, where he's he's kind of passing the the ex-champion phase or fading champion phase and entering into contemporaryville. Um, but who knows what fights he's going to take, not take? You know, like I, I just I, I can't I don't know for a twenty-eight-year-old. To have the resume that he does, I mean, even if you don't think he won the Lara fight or the Trout fight um, or the you know Golovkin fight, um, either of them, still you know he's the people that he's faced and how competitive he's been uh, is pretty unmatched. You know, he wasn't competitive with Floyd, so you can kind of that fight. But I mean, Newman got knocked out by Salvador Sanchez and then went on to have a Hall of Fame career. 
Right. So, um, you know, yeah, I just, I don't judge fighters until their careers are over. And I, I wasn't too definite. I, I'm not a pound for pound guy, uh, but I just said, you know, people do make those lists and they seem kind of arbitrary to me. Um, and I, I don't understand why Canelo wouldn't be number one based on how he's gotten to where he's at. I mean, maybe that's what people are docking him on. They didn't feel he won those fights. I think any, you know, any tested positive. Uh, right. Well, I think what Joaquin, what, what I'm reading here, what he had put, like Canelo was more focused on winning, which I think what I'm reading into, I, I might be wrong, Joaquin, so you could write me back, but I think what you're reading into is uh, that he's more content and, you know, um, he's, he's more, not, but I've said this, he's a more of a thinking fighter. And I think you have to accept that. He's not a killer. You know, he's, he's not going to pull an annual way or a wilder. Um, he's methodically going to break you down and beat you. And if he's comfortable with it, that's what he's going to do. You know, and if he gets the KO, he gets it. But he's not one to try to create a KO. He's one to, you know, uh, try to take away your best weapon and, and, and beat you to the punch. You know, but I, I agree with you. I, there's no way of saying he's going to be considered one of the greats yet until his career is over because he may get that defying um, – KO or win on, on somebody that is in his weight division, like a Golovkin, if he's, if they go a third time around, if he gets that, um, then I don't know. I think I'm with you on that. He's got to retire first. Definitely got to retire. Um, Eddie, Eddie B <laughs> from Texas, man. So here's this question. Um, hey guys, who excites you more? Defimo Lopez or Virgil or, or Virgil Lopez? Um, and why, and who reaches stardom first in the spectrum? The, what, who who was this? Say, say uh, that this, again. This is Tofimo and uh, Virgil. Who excites you more? Oh, Virgil Ortiz. I mean, yeah, Virgil Ortiz. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, Virgil Lopez. I've, I've missed yeah, the process. Yeah. Uh, um, Lopez. <laughs> um, Virgil Ortiz, I like his style. I like that he doesn't talk a lot. Um, I don't mind, you know, fighters need whatever they need to get to do what they do. So, uh, but with Lopez, I, the, like the backflips in fights where you're supposed to win, the, I find it kind of distasteful. Uh, I'll tell you but, what, his uh, mouthpiece is what's going to get him to start him quicker than Ortiz, though. You oh, know, God, Ortiz it's what is, got him tabbed a, as a star. Right. You know, exactly. Um, but Ortiz, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, right now he's having it his way. You know, he gets to be the bully in these fights. Uh, but that was a pretty scary knockout of Marito Herrera. Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, my God. Hey, I'll tell you this, though, to, to Eddie, to answer your question, who reaches stardom first? It, it's gonna, Obviously, it's going to be Lopez. He reaches stardom first because – He's already there. You know, he's already there. He's already at that brink. Everybody wants to see him in with Lomachenko. But with Ortiz is, to me, he's a very traditional Mexican fighter where – he, he fights the grind. You know, he's grinding his way up. And if you look at throughout history, the guy that's, that rushes himself to be on the top of the hill is normally the guy that's going to roll back down pretty fast. Um, that brings to mind when Lennox Lewis had brought up Michael Grant. Michael Grant. You know, uh, he's a here we come up and here we go down. Um, whereas Ortiz is slowly, to me, is, is doing the right things to get to the top of the hill so that when he gets there, he finally knows what to do with it. Now, don't get me wrong. I like, I like Lopez. I know, I know you're not so fond of his, his tactics and stuff. Um, but I think he's, 
with his performances. He's an exciting kid, um, but it's just not proven. Um, there's still a lot of questions that linger over him. So that's that's the thing that worries me is that when you get there, are you going to be able to answer them because you got there so quick with the mouthpiece rather than the opponent's? That were supposed to get you to that level Because back in the old days you had to fight the fights To get to that level Now it's just more of uh, if you got a good um, You got a good Instagram account Or Twitter account Or you got a good you know you're gift, Gifted with the gab you, you can get there um, I I traditionally like More traditional fighters That work their way up So that's that Now the last last question really quick here Um it's from Marcus from uh, hey, your neck of the woods, San Francisco. Um, okay, uh, let me see. Let me go. I didn't outline. Okay, what fights were in the talks and didn't happen, guys, that you wish did? I wish you um, were giving me a little lead time on this one. Right off the top, I, top of my yeah. head, uh, I would go um, Trinidad Mosley. Uh, oh, and Trinidad, yeah. I think Trinidad uh, Quarte was also a fight that was supposed to happen that ended up not happening, it, it didn't getting postponed. Uh, yeah. So those fights, but also Trinidad, I believe Terry Norris was supposed to happen. Um, that he, that's why he well. moved up and he fought Troy Waters, and right. then Norris got knocked out, and so then he went back down, uh, chasing De La Hoya. Uh, so yeah, I would say you know anything involving Felix Trinidad, uh, maybe maybe Trinidad versus Roy Jones at 168 when they were more prime, but that would have required Tito be good enough to beat Bernard Hopkins and you know Mojado versus getting, Cotto. Uh, hmm, that was the fight that they you know when they came out of the Olympics was they were attached to each other. That would have been a great fight if uh, Mojado just couldn't uh, couldn't get his you know shit together. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's the way to say it, man. Um, Valero versus Pacquiao. That was a fight that wasn't taught. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you that know? fight. I remember Freddie Roach. I remember talking to Freddie at the gym, a wild card, and I asked him, and, dude, it was like uh, I struck a nerve. I don't understand why everybody guy likes that guy. He's not good. He blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, wow. So then if he's not – I remember asking him, if, he's in, if he isn't good, then why don't you guys fight him? <laughs> oh, we're gonna fight them. We're gonna fight them. And then, and then they they were in talks. Remember, after uh, Edwin had just got done with uh, Demarco. First was Bradley. Bradley was in talks. Timothy Bradley came on leaving the ring. Remember, he called in and said that he would he had been offered that fight and that he was willing to take it. He would take the fight. But then it moved on, and it went to uh, Pacquiao, and that fight never materialized. You know. Uh, I'll tell you what fight that I really wanted to watch. Uh, and this is back when they were at 135 and both guys were monsters. Um, Robert the Ghost Guerrero was blowing everybody out at 135. And John Molina Jr., who's going to be fighting, scheduled to fight. Uh, again, uh, who's he fighting? Um, Sergey oh, Lipinitz. Lipinitz, right. But at 135, I remember... I remember asking both camps, man, over and over. You guys right now are the upcoming stars at 135. Are you guys going to mix it up? And I remember these guys, they wouldn't even bring each other's names up. And that was one fight that I thought would have been just explosive, man. Both were in their prime. Both were knocking guys out. 
Um, it never happened. Another fight at 140 never happened is uh, Lucas Matisse and, and Marcos Antonio, um, um, no, Marcos uh, Madonna, Chino, Chino Madonna at 140. Hmm. I thought that would have been like, holy smokes, but never, never came down. Never even talked about. I have a, we have nine minutes left. Uh, I have a question for the mailbag. See if people will respond to this uh, at leave it in the ring and gmail.com. Um, I'm looking at the ringtv.com ratings, the pound for pound ratings. Um, so the, the top 10 is uh, Lobachenko, then Crawford, Alvarez, uh, Naoi Anui, uh, Alexander Usyk is five, Errol Spence Jr., six, uh, Gennady Golovkin, seven. They need to change that spelling. Uh, eight is uh, Juan Francisco Estrada. Uh, number nine is Mikey Garcia. And number 10 is Donnie Nientes. Uh, everybody, seven of those fighters are in the VADA clean boxing program, or and one of them is in the 365 program as well, and that's, that's uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez. Um, three of them aren't in the VADA program. Naoa uh, Anui, um, Errol Spence Jr., and number one, Vasil Lomachenko, are not in the VADA clean boxing program. Uh, hmm. Sometimes they've done VADA testing. Sometimes they have it. Uh, so just saying, this is my question. In order to get into the top 10, should you ha- also have to be in a year-round boxing program, even if it's or a testing program? Even if it's just like the clean boxing program, it makes you eligible to be tested. Uh, should you be number one if you're not being tested at all or being tested on a limited basis? That's a good question. I tell you what, fighters can't make the excuse of saying I don't have the money to do it. <laughs> not, not if you're yeah. the top ten pound ten. for pound. Yeah, yeah. That you you can't use that as an excuse. You know, um, you can't also throw it on the promoter. As a fighter, I think that when you get to a certain point in your career, you you should be able to have, you should be able to uh, ask for certain r- rituals that make you comfortable. I mean, fighters are superstitious. They have rituals. They have to have certain gloves. They have to have certain music on. Um, they, they have to have a certain prayer. They have to have certain people around them uh, or the fight could fill off. So why cannot you not have that as part of your ritual? You know, well, I want you know, a clean sport, uh, clean fighter. Yeah. I knew he has the, that IBF belt, right? And uh, right. Uh, Lobachenko has the WBA, WBO. So these are organizations. WBA said they have a clean boxing program, but uh, I, I'm not seeing it. Um, I haven't seen maybe, it. Maybe, maybe it's hidden behind all those extra belts that they have. Uh, but yeah, there's no, and Errol Spence Jr. Has, also has the IBF belt. So he doesn't, he's not worried about a drug testing program either. And I'm not throwing shade on these people, but this is the landscape. No, now. right. And, and so you go, you know, uh, what's the deal? Why aren't you? Erase all doubts. Erase all doubts. That's what I say, you know, um, until, and we've said this from, oh man, I don't even remember when we used to say, unless you're testing, we are, we're not sure. You got to test. Gotta, and you I know. would prefer, since the first interview we did, uh, June 24th, 2010, uh, with Victor Conte, it's like the most extensive interview we'd done about PDs with somebody that knew about it. We were talking about, it's got to be year round, right? Because otherwise you can just turn the faucet right. on and off. And the answer was yes. Yeah, WBC is Sean Porter. So I know he's in the clean boxing program. Uh, but at some point, you know, th- these things have to get unified in that PBC universe. And 
Uh, and you know why Sean's in that program? You know, I mean, should we tell him why is he on that program? Because a Pacific person by the name of Malanaji started pointing the finger at him, and he didn't. Yeah. He was like, "Oh hell no, you're not going to label me that." So I'm going to go for and 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 clear all doubts. That's that's what I think that fighters need to do. Those are the standards. Make it to the top ten. Clear all doubts. Get in the program. I'm pretty excited to see what the you know the top five in every division in female boxing is going to look like with some vada testing. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's contrary to popular belief. Yeah, there wasn't actually. Uh, or actually Do you think no it might be higher there. than their ratings? Oof. I know. I shouldn't have said that, but that was a low I blow. couldn't resist. <laughs> I couldn't resist. That was a low blow. <laughs> I just couldn't resist. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We got you know, four ladies, minutes. You know, the, uh, I love oh, yeah, he, okay. he, does, he does. I do. I truly do. I, I watch it. I mean, I'm not going to sit here in front like some folks. Like, oh, I can't, can't watch two women. I say, hey, man, they want to get in there. They work equally as hard as men, and they want to go in there and uh, – Twist their nose around, etc. Why not? Let them do it. But I, I couldn't resist throwing that little jab. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, uh, the BattleLeftHook.com uh, boxing television schedule, as I as I have for many years, because it's it's accurate and good. I'm going to skip Thursday's show because it's a promotion I have no interest in promoting. If you want to look at that, uh, you'll get there and then you'll laugh and see why I don't read it. Uh, there's nothing on Friday. But uh, boxing tries to make up for it by having a buttload of fights on Saturday, May 25th. Uh, from we start off on ESPN, ESPN Plus, uh, the uh, uh, Masayuki Ito versus Jamel Herring, super featherweights in action, 12 rounds of action. Uh, in support there, you got Jose Pedraza versus Antonio Lozado, uh, or no, I'm sorry, Lozada, uh, lightweights in action, 10 rounds, also on ESPN. Um, there's a whole bunch of other fights. If you've got the plus, I imagine you'll be able to check that out. Uh, MGM National Harbor, Oxon Hill, Maryland at the same time. Uh, DeZone, Devin Haney versus Antonio Moran. Uh, lightweights in action. It should be a nice showcase for Haney's skills. I bet he gets a knockout because that dude's slow and kind of upright. And, his, and he's uh, starting to streak uh, as a contender. Uh, Michael Hunter versus Fabio Maldonado, heavyweights in action, 10 rounds, uh, and some other fights. Uh, Beau Rivage, Biloxi, Mississippi, FS1, Austin Trout versus Terrell Gauchet, uh, junior middleweights in action for 12 rounds, FS1. Uh, Shordell Booker as well versus Wally Omatoso, junior middleweights, 10 rounds, and Ahmed El Biali versus Marlos Eduardo Simos, uh, light heavyweights in action for 10 rounds. Um, and then if you're in England earlier in the day, you've already seen on channel five in the UK at the Victoria warehouse in Manchester, England, Huey Fury take on Chris Norad heavyweights, uh, which is a really weird listing 10 or 12 rounds versus, uh, underneath that is Steve Brogan versus Adam Haig, junior welterweights, eight or 10 rounds. Uh, and that rounds out your weekend. Uh, pretty much you've been laying on the couch all day watching fights. If you see all those, <laughs> Good luck to you. I I won't be able to. I'm gonna have to. I DVR everything. <laughs> it's my brother's getting married, man. You know. Um, nice. Actually, I gotta. Yeah, I gotta give him a call because um, we still have a few more days at, where he could. I, I could tell him, hey, he could still run for the hills, man. <laughs> I'm a. Uh, I'll be. Yeah. No, but he's, <laughs> he's, 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 he has a nice girl. It's never know? too yeah. late. 
It's never too late. late to turn around, Lato. Don't do it. That's, that's going to be me in the background. Don't do it, pendejo. <laughs> She'll no, be fine. Everybody brought, like, gift cards. <laughs> <laughs> she could keep the TV. Um, yeah. So, I'll be yeah, checking man. out that Devin Haney fight, though. I mean, like, it'll be another two sh- two show Saturdays. I have, like, two and eight. And so there's this big gap in there. And, you know, on the way there, there's uh, fights in England are, are happening. So... It's going to be a long fight day. Well, but if my wife... Jamal Herring one, I, I really want to see. Ito Herring. I'll tell you this, though. If they're on the reception, if my wife allows this, I will be watching it on my phone. But it all depends. You know? Um, there's going to be a lot of family there, so, yeah. I, yeah, you know, I don't want to stand out at sports that. fans in the, in the dressing know. room. The, the other two guys are always either watching Boston uh, sports of... So... It's, it's I'm gonna be nice. that one. You know, I, you know I mix it one, up with the fights. You know that one guy that sneaks away to the bar. I'm gonna be that guy that sneaks away to the bathroom to watch the fights here and there. Anyways, uh, fight fans, uh, thanks for calling in. Thanks for writing us. You still can write any question or anything you want about on uh, to us on Leaving the Ring Gmail. Uh, again, enjoy your weekend. Don't drink your drive because you will spill your beer. Uh, Gabriel, I will talk to you next week. Peace. <laughs>